to episode 175 of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, where I talk about, read about, write about, dream about anything except for this video game. All right. Uh, (laughs) But we are joined tonight by two fabulous guests um, to have a... uh, an interesting conversation. Tonight we are joined by uh, Treandria Russworm, who is an associate professor of English at UMass Amherst um, and who is not salty at all and who is speaking to me uh, <laughs> and not angry at me at all. Um, hey, Trey. <laughs> hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. Always, always, always good to have you. I'm going to spin my silent treatment just for this episode. I'm glad. (laughs) Then we're going to tell people why you're giving me the silent treatment, not like, you know, we really fight you. Correct. Uh We're also joined by Yusuf Cole, who is a writer, game critic, and all-around great dude. Hey, Yusuf, how are you? Thanks for that amazing and impromptu introduction. <laughs> Not planned at all. Not planned at all. <laughs> Came off so smooth. Oh no, see? I'm good at this. Yeah, She's a professional. <laughs> and last but not least, we are joined by our co-host, Alicia Carabinus. Hey. Hello, Alicia. Hi, I'm a PhD candidate at... Purdue University, where I do whatever Sam tells me to do. I wish. Don't listen. <laughs> you don't listen at all. She I make you listen. Like she I just don't always act the way you want me to act. But I do hear you. <laughs> hear me and ignore me. Alright, y'all. So tonight, um, we'll do our usual what you play, what you read, and what you're drinking. And then we're gonna um, have a little chat about a little game. <clears throat> called Detroit Become Human. Uh, you guys may have read Yusef's famous, 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 <laughs> sure, fabulous piece, famous <laughs> and fabulous piece uh, in Waypoint. Um, I had to write it down because it's got a long title, but I loved it. Detroit siphons and squanders a history of marginalized struggle. And I was like, okay, title, done. That's exactly, I'm done. That's, we're done. That's all we need to do. <laughs> if only we were done so yeah so we're going to talk about Detroit tonight um, And but first we're going to talk about the important stuff the what you're playing what you're reading what you're drinking um, and we will start with our guests because we like to pretend we have manners around here um, and we're going to flip order for a second Yusuf what you playing lately I just started playing Hollow Knight on the Switch um, and it's like a for those who don't know, it's like a 2D platformer, um, kind of in the. It's like basically a 2D version of Dark Souls, 
So it's in the vein of those kind of challenging sword and, and shield based combat styles, but you're also like exploring this um, dungeon and and cave system that's like kind of very Metroid, Metroid and Castlevania inspired. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's kind of definitely my cup of tea. Like I played Salt and Sanctuary when that came out, which is very similar. Also very Dark Souls inspired, but like with a 2D um, vibe. And uh, so far I'm loving it. Like I've only played it like over the weekend, but it's got a really, really cool art style um, where you kind of, basically everybody's a, some version of a, a bug. So it's like this fantasy bug kingdom and like, but they're also like sad gothic bugs because <laughs> they're like, it's like kind of this fantasy world and uh, you're like wander you're like this weird wanderer wanderer and you're kind of but every it was really cool because like everything like the world is like really fleshed out to the extent there's that, that you ride like your transportation is like a stag beetle it gets you from like village to village and then like all the characters are like versions of a bug and they and they use like items that look like they could be like misplaced human instruments like one of the characters has like a a needle and thread and I think most people's swords are called needles or nails so it's like it's like this kind of dark creepy game but it's also cute and like um, has it like fantastical um, like Ralph Little or like those like stories about like weird like animals living among humans even though humans are, like, aren't present at all but like you you have some of their footprint so like, like I'm digging the world building and like the interaction of the game so far. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. What about you, Trey? What you playing, darling? Um, well, I'm also playing a game on the Switch, um, Floor Kids, which I started playing with our nephews a little while ago, and then even though they're not playing with me anymore, I'm still playing it. <laughs> so uh, I think it's I don't know, it's adorable. I'm not good at it, so I think that's why I keep playing it because I'm just not great at like stringing together the best combinations. I know my kids can do better in those breakdancing streets. Um, so <laughs> I, I've enjoyed it, I've been playing that, and then I've been playing Skyrim on the Switch off and on, as well as NBA 2K on the Switch. And I have to say, Sam, I do owe you for introducing me to the Switch and helping me get past my <laughs> Nintendo resistance at the time um, because I really like the I really like the platform. Uh, it's been great for traveling. It's been great for being in different rooms in the house. It's just opened up my life with gaming. Like I could be in this room that doesn't have a TV and still play something um, <laughs> or without having to move other things to another room. You know, so that's been great. But I also think the titles are intriguing, and I keep kind of compulsively browsing the Switch's library and I'm 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 encouraged that things are being released third party titles are do exist mm -hmm. and um even though I'm kind of not a huge fan of Nintendo's first party properties I bought them so they're doing something right <laughs> I mean they make it really easy like to buy <laughs> they make it so easy to buy that I mean yeah. it's a brilliant I really want to see what happens with the Switch as time goes on because it's so effective and kind of compulsive. I mean, I, I have a compulsive orientation to it in this moment. I mean, I bought Donkey Kong, and I was like, what? <laughs> why? Why? I don't, I'm just not the audience for that. And I bought it because I was just hyped, and I was like, yeah, 
Country Freeze, and I just watched, you know, like I played like the first two minutes of it, literally, and was like, ooh, that's enough. It's just not my thing. <laughs> but I bought all their titles. I bought Legend of Zelda. I don't care. I don't want to play that. <laughs> I know it's a blasphemy to Nintendo folks, but um, somehow it's working. It's working on me. I've been playing titles that I've played on other systems. So that's mm-hmm. also brilliant marketing for those companies like Skyrim again, really. <laughs> but I convinced myself that on the go, you know, I can just do little, I can build my house in the woods because I don't do the main story in Skyrim. So I can make the, marry the right partner this time for once, um, which did not work out. But anyway, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something about it's something about that system, though. I mean, and it's got a great library of like little indie titles. Mm-hmm. They they are the best, and I keep downloading those too and not playing them. But it's kind of like <laughs> Steam. It's like I just want to hoard them and have them there just in case, you know, just in case. One day it might strike you that you want to play Yeah, or life changes, and I just have so much more time to really dive into these titles. Um, You know, who knows? Or maybe I'll, oh, no, I won't say that because I'm so injury prone. But anyway, um, (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, you're going to end up up, laid up again going, I can't move. Yeah, no, if you're just stationary and you're like, hey, I'm convalescing, you know. Um, But I've already convalesced a lot in my life, so I don't want that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right. What about you, Alicia? What you playing, darling? Um. Well, still State of Decay two. When I have time, I've also been playing a little bit of Paladins. Um. Not as much as my person who seems to have more time to play video games than I do when I hate him. Um. Uh, but a little bit of that. Uh. Most of my spare gaming time has gone to group things, like in-person group things or other group things, like. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons. I've been playing uh, Gloomhaven, which is also campaign based. So, lots of big nerd stuff. And I'm still playing in the Mafia World Championships. I advanced to round two. So, I am a really, really good liar or finder of liars. <laughs> so, I will be doing that for the next, I don't know, hopefully at least like a month if I don't. 347 die. years? <laughs> no, not that long. Um, but uh, it, that's been fun. That's been really fun because it's a, it's it's challenging to play with strangers um, who are also all really really good. It's super intense. Um, and since the 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 day phases last like two days for like that two days, you just feel like oh I have to do everything perfectly and it's it's hard. Gotcha. That sounds so fun. stressful. <laughs> it really is. Sometimes I'm like in the middle of it. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Why does anyone do this? But then, you know, a game ends and you're like, I have to play the next one. Mm. So. Sounds it's like fun. video games. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have never played my, I've never played it. Okay. Well, next time you come and visit us, we'll, we'll play some social deception games. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. There I don't go. think you'll be a very good liar. I think you're probably right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it'll be fun anyway. It's not always about being a good liar. I feel like it's sometimes it's just about having a uh, guilty expression on your face. Some people just yes. have like gu- they're guilty-looking people, and you're like that person did it every time. So they just <laughs> might have even a if they guilty, did, yeah. guilty resting face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the reasons I like playing uh, asynchronous online um, social deception games is because it becomes all about like research and discourse. Like, you know, I, I may not be able to read you in person 
but in text, I can be like, mm-mm, four days ago at seven o'clock at night, you said this, and now you're saying this, which is clearly <laughs> a lie, so I'm going to kill you. You're dead. <laughs> Bye-bye. Wow. Um, kind of cool. Yeah, it's fun. And as a researcher, I'm really good at taking notes and finding stuff. Not always good at actually making the judgments, but I have the data, whether or not my data is reliable. So, anyway, that's what I've been doing. Cool. Well, let's see. What have I been playing? Um, well, I've, I've been replaying the beginning of Detroit, Become Human. Because it's been a while really since I played yourself. it. I played it right at launch. Um, so I was replaying the beginning. Um, I, we gonna, I'm not even going to mention that right now because we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> um, I started playing um, Earthfall, which is that new four-player kind of co-op survival game. It, it's basically what it is. It's like Left for Dead reskinned for um, aliens. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a little different. The story's a little different. It's got some different weapons. Um, Four-player co-op game. Um, it came out this weekend. So, like, Friday. So, I've been playing a little bit of that. Um, I've been playing a lot of Defiance 2050, which is like a remaster of the old um, alien-based MMO um, from the Xbox 360 days. Um, and I've been having a whole lot of fun playing that. Um, it's like it's, it's satisfying my MMO Jones. Um, so that Is the one they made a TV show about? It was. And I, okay, so I never played it when it was on the 360. Um, for whatever reason. Um, probably because I was probably playing WoW at the time. But, um, so I never played it and I never watched the TV show. So when they announced that they were going to redo the remaster, I, I was like, well, maybe I played a little bit of the old for, of the old one because it was backwards compatible. Uh, so I played a little bit of it, and I was like, well, I don't know anything about these characters because they didn't really give you any lore. So I started watching the show. Um, so why, by watching the show, it got me like really amped up to play the game. So when um, 2050, which is the remaster, came out, um, I started playing it, and I'm been having pretty much a blast playing that because a bunch of people I know are playing it so we're all playing it together um and it's a free to play game so you know what free doesn't get better than free uh I've also been playing talking about uh things we've been playing on the switch I've been playing Crash Bandicoot the insane trilogy so the the remaster of Crash Bandicoot which and I never played Crash Bandicoot the first time because when platformers you know (laughs) When we were of that age, when like folks were playing like Sonic and Crash and Spyro, I wasn't, I didn't care about platformers. I was too busy playing JRPGs. Um, so now I'm getting to play these like beautifully remastered versions of these platformers um, that are ridiculously hard. <laughs> um, but I'm having a lot of fun with them. I just, I, I played like, I don't know, two hours of like the first Crash Bandicoot and somebody was like, well, you know, that's the hardest one. And I was like, well, no wonder I can't take three steps without dying. So I went straight to the second one and did a whole lot better. Um, <laughs> so I've been playing that and what else I've been playing? One more thing. <laughs> uh, blah, 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 blah. 
Speaking of a switch, I just got I just got like a text message was like, I just bought a switch exclamation point for one of my friends. Um, yes. <laughs> one of us, uh, one of us. I know, right? So um, oh, and then I've been playing this weird little uh it's like um time management slash puzzle game. because um, you know I get in I get into my phone game sometimes. It was on the phone and then I found out that it also came out on Xbox. So I've been playing this called Gnomes Garden 3. Um, I know. It's, it, it's a time management game. And um, I get into time management games because sometimes I can be a little bit of a control freak. So, yeah. That's what I'm playing. A bunch of different stuff. A little bit here, a little bit there. Um, What about reading? Who's reading something interesting? What about you, Trey? Um, I was reading myself because, you know... <laughs> That's the truth. Um, actually, I went back, and that's not the only thing I'm reading, but I went back and read my chapter on dystopian games and gaming representation because the, the, the publication cycle of those type of you know works that come out in book form, it's so long yeah. that I can barely remember. I mean, I remember the gist of what I said and how I felt about the games, but I really, there was some specific language that I was looking for, so I went back and reread that. And then it's always humbling to read your stuff in print because, you know, idea you evolve and ideas change and you're like, ooh, I said I said it that way. You know, you always <laughs> want to be able to revise, but uh, at a, a certain point you can't. So I reread that. Um, I read Yousef's piece on Detroit and um, that was good. And then as far as other stuff not related to this game, um, I've been reading No Tea, No Shade, the edited collection on um, black queer theory, uh, reading a few different articles in that. So that's pretty much it. Ooh, ooh. Sounds interesting. What about you, Yusuf? Reading anything interesting? Yeah. Hopefully, you don't hear my cat, by the way, because he's like pounding on the door <laughs> with all <laughs> of his weight <laughs> and meowing. Uh, but. I haven't heard him. Right, I haven't heard him, but my, my cat was doing the same thing beforehand, and, <laughs> yeah. and I was screaming at her to go away. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, reading, uh, I'm kind of like in between fun books. I'm reading like a book, like an art book about Baroque, like the Baroque period, because I want to write about that someday, but I need to like figure out like what it, what I'm going to do. Because mm -hmm. I'm basically going to compare, like, Destiny to Baroque art and Ooh. Rococo. And, like, yeah. I'm trying to, like, figure out my angle, my, my, like, kind of, you know, way in for that. So I'm just, like, doing some history reading. It's very fascinating, actually. I, I thought I'd be really bored reading about art, but it's actually... The Baroque period was wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I've Before that, I read An Unkindness of Ghosts. Um, <gasps> That's by my friend. Oh, yes! My oh my god! <laughs> she got so excited. <laughs> I mean, that book is you better about to be about to say it was the best book ever. Yeah, I loved now, it. Now he can't. Now he has to say That's this. It's a very good book. No, no, it actually was really good. Um, Solomon. Wait, what's her last name? Solomon. What's River, River Solomon. Solomon? River Solomon. Um, yeah. I mean, it takes takes all my boxes. You know, like. Basically, you know, it's Afrofuturist, sci-fi, space, fantasy, like high, you know, hard sci-fi. It, it's just really interesting because it's like because it takes place in a generation ship, and it's like 
It's something. It doesn't. It also does something. Does something that like, I like always want sci-fi to do, but it doesn't because it's written by white people, usually, and that is mm -hmm. translate like the injustices and marginalizations that's happening today into the future. Like it's gonna continue, like as unless like you know something dramatic dramatic happens. <laughs> it but always it, has. So. Yeah. So it, like it's always and so like you know a lot of. Um, sci-fi stories kind of paint this utopia or like Star Trek kind yeah. of world where everybody's happy now and race isn't a thing like Detroit <laughs> um, like only robots are mad and but like in this in this case like yeah like it's really interesting because it's a generation ship but it's also basically a slave ship and like mm -hmm. there's like kind of like kind of there's indentured labor that's happening um, there's like racial caste systems um, and it's following like characters who are kind of at, at the bottom rung of that so yeah it's really um, just like has my had my attention from the beginning and it's like a really really well told so kudos to her and what's she, the name of the book again? Uh, right An Unkindness of Ghosts An Unkindness of Ghosts yeah right on yeah it's good read that book okay um, and I've been like rereading the Ancillary Justice series because I really like space sci-fi stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's also written by people from like unique perspectives, and that is another one. Um, and I mean, I won't spend too much time on it. It's it, I could go on about ancil about ancillary justice forever. It's basically my comfort reading um, <laughs> because even though it's like ridiculous, like dry sci-fi, but it's like also a book that you know. It deconstructs <coughs> a lot of like sci-fi tropes and um, and AI tropes. Like the main character is an AI, and they're but they're also like a human, because in this like universe they implant like um, the people that like were conquered with AI um, that and then and then kind of like make them work for the the conquering empire. So that's like kind of the premise, the background, and then like the main and this character is somebody who broke away from that and is like kind of trying, trying to subvert that empire. Um, and it's also all about, I mean, ironically enough, it's all about like AI and emotion and like whether like, and like how, um, how a mind that's like split up into like thousands of bodies can like have an identity. Um, and also whether like that person can, or whether an AI can, can love, whether a ship can fall in love with its captain. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so those are. I'll probably go back to that soon because there's like three books and I, re I read two out of three so far, or reread. I've read them like a bunch of times, <laughs> but I've been like, I'm like, I'm trying to be good, but now I'm not good anymore because I'm just like my train rides are like all Hollow Knight. <laughs> this is why, I, yeah, like the switch is dangerous because you can just bring on a train and you're like, okay, time to just like miss my stop <laughs> because I'm so obsessed with like getting to that next boss. But yeah. yeah. Good stuff. All right, Alicia, what you reading, darling? Uh, I don't have a good story. I have been rereading journal articles from the first issues of various game studies journals, and it's just really, really depressing. Because it's they're depressing. talking about the same stuff. It's yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's sad that so much of it is the same stuff, and it's also sad that there was a lot of promise. I think about trying to study cultural issues that sort of I don't know what happened 
Um, I do know, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, there's two words, um, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's just depressing that we should be further, I think, at this point. Uh, it hasn't really been that long, and I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a young scholar, big air quotes around that. Um, so I don't know how quickly fields should develop, but in my heart, I feel like, because what we're studying changes and develops so quickly in some ways, not at all in others, uh, not not even a little bit. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we should have figured out more by now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway, though, read read my friend's book because it's great. Don't <laughs> don't listen to me. Just go read her book. <laughs> it sounds interesting. I'm gonna pick it up. Me too. Because um, I just finished reading. Well, I finished reading, uh, probably since the last podcast, uh, Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Yademe, um, which is also a really good book if you uh, if you haven't read it. Um, it's kind of like Afrofuturism and, you know, slash sci-fi. Um, but it's, a, it, and it really lined up well with uh, Detroit, which probably was part of the reason I was so pissed off about Detroit is I was like but you can do this well you can see how people do this well how they can map you know current and historical oppressions onto a fictionalized narrative in such a way that it makes it uh, more understandable to folks who otherwise might block it out, right? But it also kind of enriches a story. And I was like, you can do this. We we see this, but then you get Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. So, but that one was really good. Um, and I finished that one. And I've talked. About, I think I talked about that one on the last podcast. But um, then I started reading. It's another YA novel. Um, I've been in a YA novel on a YA novel run lately. Um, Turtles All the Way Down mm-hmm. by John Green, uh, which I just started, so I'm not even really going to talk about that. I don't want to form an opinion yet. Seems interesting. I don't know if I'm going to love it, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I started reading that. And that's what I've been reading lately, you know, outside of the usual academic stuff on, you know, toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity, um, in games, you know, because that's the thing. But uh, that's where where I am and what I've been doing, and playing a lot of games. Apparently, I replay. Oh, that's, that's another thing. I replayed um, the Longest Journey again, which is you know like my five hundred fifty fifth time to, to play <laughs> that game. <laughs> so that's what I'm reading. All right. So here's the important question. What you drinking? Uh, Trey, you said you were... Uh, what you drinking? Um, I am almost done with my drink. Ooh. But uh, that's just because, you know, I started before we were able to get online. Um, but I'm drinking a flavored vodka. You guys know I'm not a drinker, so I, it takes effort for me to figure out what to drink. <laughs> so I'm drinking like a, a green apple vodka with mango tango orange drink it's not orange juice because i don't think there's any juice involved in this concoction <laughs> so it's like an orange beverage even though it's newman's own i, I still there's I don't, there's not real juice this is this is not identifiable as a fruit 
And so that's what I'm drinking. It's super sugary. So mm. I will either be drunk or in a diabetic coma by the time this episode <laughs> is over because it's charged me. I'm charged now. Cool. I'm always impressed when, when Trey like drinks with us. <laughs> and I've had yeah. like three glasses of water in the meantime trying to wash all the sugar out. <laughs> Alright, uh, Yusuf, you drinking anything good? Sadly not. Sorry to disappoint. Just drinking water. I was gonna really drink, but that was... I, you know... I'm trying to be healthy. Not to make anybody feel bad about drinking. <laughs> nah, that would never happen. Yeah. I'm right there with you in spirit. For the first podcast possibly ever, I am also not drinking an adult what? beverage. I could have been a part of the non-drink club. <laughs> uh, first time ever. <laughs> I I just forgot to go to the store, so I'm. Um... Yeah, see, because Alicia's usually like three cups to the wind by now. <laughs> I know. I mean, like <laughs> in every podcast. I usually start to get like real angry about something right about now, and I'm just gonna be chill tonight, I guess. <laughs> But then, then we're going to start talking about Detroit, and that's out the window because I'm real <laughs> so. Drunk on rage. There you go. <laughs> yes. There you go. Half sober. <laughs> uh, well, I'll make it. Uh, you could be in the drinking club with me, Trey. Um, I, am, I, too, am drinking a flavored vodka. Wow. See? I am drinking lemonade and deep Edie's sweet tea flavored vodka i should have just come to your house <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my summer drink that is my summer drink we i had like this drink like for the very first time um we were in atlanta and um oh, what was it called it was called somebody's juke joint. It was a li- it was a restaurant in Atlanta, and they had these Shug um, Avery's Shug Avery's juke she joint. Got the yes, juke joint. I was like, what was it called? And I could not remember. It was Shug Avery's juke joint in Atlanta, right? And they had this drink called a sneaky sneaky. And I'm like, why is this called a sneaky sneaky? <laughs> and the waitress was like, because it kind of sneaks up on you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I'm drinking these, and I'm like, this drink is so watered down. And I had like four of them. And then I had a hard time walking out of the restaurant. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, now I see why they call it the sneaky sneaky. And I have been, <laughs> that's been my summer drink ever since. Is, is, is What it basically is, lemonade and sweet tea vodka. Uh, and they are really good. Uh, they are. I resisted for a long time just because I like to mock Sam for whatever she does. <laughs> and then I had one, and I was like, oh, all right, that's fine. Yep. Yep, they're real good. They are. And they don't yes. they don't taste like alcohol. It just tastes like No, they it, are quite sneaky. It tastes like sweet tea. It tastes like you just sip it on sweet tea <clears throat> until you try to stand up. Which is always a good thing. All right. So that is what we playing, what we reading and what we drinking. So now we get to talk about Detroit. Mhm. I've been I can really... make this real short. It's bad. <laughs> don't play that shit. Well, let me tell you. It's a little story I, about robots. It's, it's, it's a story about robots. Right, because my kid was like, what's this, what is that game about? I was like, it's a, it's a grown-up game. You know, she was like, what's it about in a kid-friendly way? I was like, androids. 
she was like, uh-huh. And I was like, androids, you know, and, and androids becoming self-aware. And she goes, is it racist or sexist? <laughs> she was like, if, it, if you're saying I can't watch, I can't play, it's got to be one or the other. And I was like, yeah, kind of both, kind of both. And she's like, yeah, no, I don't want a part of that. Um, See, I would have said it's about Alexa. I would have been like, hmm. <laughs> No, then she would be scared of all the Alexa enabled <laughs> devices in our house, Dre. Well, she go. should be. That, exactly. I'm like, you gotta teach them young. Start them young. Get some snitches well, we in your house. Don't talk to those things. <laughs> we leave them unplugged except for when they're like reading audiobooks. You think they're unplugged? Oh, stop! <laughs> don't let this. Don't let those things interact with your kids, Sam. Did you play the game? No, <laughs> no they should. They, your kids should raise them right or uh, be friends with them because they're they have emotions too. So, mm-hmm, yeah, see. you know, Alexa has feelings. <laughs> and 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 years of oppression, apparently. All right, <laughs> so um, <laughs> the exact same. <laughs> thing as the game says that game start okay let's uh, okay you can tell we just all pissed off and we just like uh so so little frame right right the same way i explained to my kids it's about androids right and androids becoming self-aware right and and we've we've seen this kind of story like everywhere else i mean we've seen this story a lot even in like the last year and i was like we we've seen this even in like little indie games. Remember, did anybody else play Tacoma? Yeah. Yeah, see I mean we've seen this whole thing about, you know, androids becoming self-aware and and you know, thinking about, you know, what this means for androids and android liberation and, you know, other, I'm not even going to start. But oopsie, other games that we've seen this in, see I'm 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 ticked off and a little tipsy, so I'm starting to knock things about. Um <laughs> But we've seen this a lot, uh, and but we've seen how other uh, how other games and other marketing ploys have failed terribly when trying to connect, right? The play, the plight of non-humans slash synthetically enhanced Sorry. humans to you know what's going on in the real world and how that how that fails horribly. But David Cage didn't get the memo. Uh, so instead we got Detroit become human um, so okay so I'm, I'm just gonna throw one thing out there and I'm gonna let other people I'm gonna let other people talk because otherwise I'm gonna talk a lot because I'm mad all the time but one of the first things I mean it's like I was what 10 minutes maybe into the game probably not even that 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 long when we we get the first Android who was um, our, our main male protagonist in terms of being, well, one of the main male protagonists, I would say, but Marcus, right? So we get Marcus and he's he's walking back from getting paint, right? I, I like the way you refer to it in uh, in your in your article, uh, oh, Yusef, is, is like his master, because that's exactly, I was like, oh, yeah. this is just master-slave mentality right here. I was like, he can call him dad all he wants to, but he need to be calling him master because this is exactly what it is. Um, and many of the other androids, I think, do call their owners masters in the mm-hmm. game. But one thing I wasn't sure about, and I've only played it once, and I played it really quickly in the last, like, three days. So if, if I'm correct, I don't know if I'm correct or not, but Are is it true that in the game 
only white humans own the androids. Like, oh, I was trying now. to remember if any that? of the other androids had, like, people of color owners or, or masters. But at least of the principal characters that we saw, I don't think that was true. And then I was trying to think beyond that, and it still didn't seem... It, it seemed like, yeah, I think they were all human, white white humans had the androids. There were no... In Detroit... There were no non-white humans that owned yeah. androids. So that supports further supports the master-slave dialectic. I was trying to remember the the dude who got st- stabbed like twenty eight times. Was he white or was he Hispanic? Oh, see, I don't remember the dude that got stabbed twenty eight times. Oh, the the android that got stabbed twenty eight times. No, the the one that got stabbed by the android. Remember? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta who was laid out, yeah, in the thing. You mm. know what? He could have been maybe he could have been ambiguously raced, but he could have been there. Could have been some context for him that I missed there because it was such a quick playthrough but that yeah. might be an exception that might be an exception so Ooh, I mean one. that and Alicia remembers when they first announced this game and they were first showing this game I'm from Detroit <laughs> so when they first announced this game and I was looking at the trailer I was like man this is gonna be some bullshit right here <laughs> I do remember because I was like no it's gonna be so good look at it <laughs> And I, I was looking at that. I was like, I'm already mad. I'm like, where the black people at? I'm like, I was like, the only thing that I see that is remotely reminiscent of Detroit in actuality or in spirit was the Joe Lewis fist that mm. they showed at one point during the game. Right? There's this huge fist of, the, of a Joe Lewis fist as a statue in downtown Detroit. And that is the only thing that, like, survived david cage's interpretation and i was just mad mm-hmm. when even when the trailer first came out and yeah i mean so yeah i mean it makes sense that we have you know all of these uh we have all these these folk um who own who own android slaves um who are who are white in this in this world right in this world where, you know, black folks are are, are scarce, um, which I think is pretty interesting. It is interesting. It's well, also because, like the way the the version of Detroit that it shows, it's just so completely separated from the history. <laughs> like you're like mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. just it completely. Uh, it's like they built an Apple store on top of Detroit, and like that's the new city. Because um, <laughs> like. Yep. In the first, like the, f- I mean, the very first scene, like or a scene with with Alice, when you're kind of like go to the kind of look, what looks like a poor neighborhood, but it's not like it's it, you, that's like a glimpse, and then like the the person whose house it is is like a awful person, like just like a awful awful person. So it's not even mm-hmm. like you're not even able to explore that, like the class issues of the game, uh, or of yeah. the city, like they just don't exist. Like they're immediately like swept under, under the rug. So it's like interesting how, how it kind of, um, really wipes the slate clean, which is so unconscionable. Unconscionable. Like, why would they set it in Detroit and then decide to do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and they further kind of wipe those class issues away by the fact that folks living in these areas 
are able to actually purchase these androids and repeatedly break them and send them in for parts like what right <laughs> expensive ass repairs and you like wait a minute where you getting all this money and you straight up living in a you know in a one room shack <laughs> I mean yeah. I don't even get it so many com- I yeah so many threads so many things so many questions um, I mean is that a like a, how a, does how does Alice's father or owner get her in the like does anybody get that part so since I only had one playthrough and there was a whole bunch on my flow chart that was not lit up that was not explored um, <laughs> I don't know how the hell he got Alice as a object or person child whatever in his household like he, how did he afford more than one robot, that character? Ooh, maybe that's a spoiler, but I mean... You're, no, you're I mean, they, they don't explain it at all. Know. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I, I was like... Because <laughs> no. my wife was watching, too, and she was like, wait a minute, how did he get that? If she's a... How did he afford... Why did he buy that? He hates androids, but it made no sense. There's some assumption that he's, like... I mean, he's definitely in debt if you look at the things around his house. Like, yeah. He's yeah. like, oh, his yeah. oh, late bills, but... Right. You're right. like, okay, well, I guess it's possible that he could have gone deeply in debt to buy all these robots, but you know, that was, was <laughs> you can't keep it forever. A robot who left, or was she human? And how, why did they have Alice? Were they not able? I, did they have fertility tr- challenges, or why would he raise the android as his potentially as his daughter? That's presumably that's what I thought. That made no sense. Want that that plot turn her backstory mm-hmm. is super foggy um, it's you know it, it's interesting right because so and then it's like okay so why does he get this why does he get this second android is it to you know provide her with you know an android parent you know is like, you're it, playing house essentially Right, you know, is this, you know, and then you know, it's, it's weird because you get into all this stuff, you're like, so was this like some sex bot stuff? And it's all, I mean, I'm just like trying to figure it all out in my head, right? Because, and it goes back to that, to that big question of if, like, why did her mother leave, right? Hazy beat the crap out of her. She ran. Alice right. showed her being broken. And that's why I thought, was she also android? She was broken? I mean, did she mean that literally? I don't know. Yeah. You know? I mean, but that, that, I mean, yeah, that's why she, that's why she leaves, right? But, but, I mean, even from the beginning, you ask, you know, why do you leave your child, right? And even when, you know, even with the plot twist, right? The big question is, why do you leave a, a child that you are raising as a child, regardless of what this child is, right? Ask Drake. Um, <laughs> oh. Well. I had to say it. <laughs> Only truth well, in this mean, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you should you should but, send Drake the copy of this game. Maybe really? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But Sorry. he probably wouldn't play that. He too busy playing Fortnite with Ninja. <laughs> uh, That's part of the problem, right there. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the psychology of intimate violence is so complicated, and I mean, I think there's so many possibilities there you know that yeah. the story just doesn't it's one of those things that it just doesn't do justice it's one really a nuanced issue and the game doesn't know what to do with it doesn't yeah it brings it up but it brings <laughs> yeah. it up in a sensational way just like the violent like we can talk about how violence focus 
functions in the game. Because mm-hmm. um, I have, you know, I mean, I think I have some thoughts about that, but that's certainly, there's a the bunch of moments of this just sensationalized, gratuitous violence mm-hmm. and the role that that's supposed to play, I think, you know, we could talk about a little bit. Um, but for sure, in that context, in that story, the Alice storyline, it's just kind of sensationally there because there's no other there's no depth to or explanation for that how that household is constructed and like you get some flashbacks i mean he also the the father we killed him in my game so i i thought i was missing something because i was like oops he was dead and then i tried to watch some YouTube, you know, fill in the gaps on YouTube. See, okay, what were the other options? Because I am not playing that again. <laughs> I will not play that chapter again. And I don't know what it'll do to the other chapters after and everything. I was like, no, I will not. Mm-hmm. So I tried to watch some of the other playthroughs just to see if there was more information. And I do know that people get different flashbacks at a moment uh, when Kara is realizing like who Alice is they get some the the flashbacks are a little different depending Mm -hmm. on what happens to the father so I was like well maybe I just missed that backstory because we killed him you know that was a (laughs) no-brainer like so um that's why I was asking if anybody else was able to figure that part out from their own playthrough I I killed him too oh yeah I don't think there's too much figuring out in that part and also I thought it was really interesting that the, uh, apparently the team internally didn't want David Cage to like use that scene in the E3 like mm. demo like last year they were like uh, people are gonna hate this <laughs> because it's yeah. clearly manipulative no and yeah. yes just, like, that's what yeah that okay so this this is where I want to come in um, so I have a very complicated relationship with these games all of his games. Like, Beyond is one of my problematic faves. Um, because it's a game that actually does, similar to this, do some things with branching narratives. A lot of games promise branching narratives, but they're not really... Like, it's different paths to get to the same place. Right? But Beyond made, like, some real changes to the game, so at the time I was super excited about it. And then, you know, later we got Life is Strange, which did the same thing, but slightly better. Um... So, I don't know, I was so excited about this. And then that same footage was used for Paris Games Week. And that was the point. So Sam had given me, like, 800 warnings. Like, don't, you don't, you're not going to like that. Don't do that. Don't get excited about it. And I was like, no, no, it's going to be great. And then that footage <laughs> from Paris Games Week came out, and I was like, well, I have to rethink my entire next year of games because I ain't playing that shit. Like, it's so clear that these concepts and ideas of humanity and what it means to like be a person and be a person in 10 situations and deal with all of these very complex nuanced emotional issues is just being used as like a bludgeon you know and it's it's like just knocking shit over but yeah so they were right and he should have listened that footage was terrible to use to market this game but then again, maybe it gave people a really clear idea of what they were going to get into. I was going to say the footage wasn't terrible. The whole damn game was well, terrible. Yeah. It was I, an accurate trailer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. To go back, and to go back to what Trey was talking about is how, how violence functions in this game. I mean, when you start to think about how violence functions in this game and how 
this this violence in the way that it not only the way it functions but the way it's represented and what it's using as a foundation is written on the backs of oppressed people man that it, that shit just pisses me off right from you know Alice and child abuse to Kara and this initial this initial feeling of domestic abuse right that that extends to a wife to Marcus right and you know every young black boy on the streets right i mean i mean the the Marcus thing like i said the the Alice and Kara scene at the beginning when I when I did my first playthrough, I was kind of prepared for because we had seen that we had seen that early we had seen that early trailer, and I was like, I know what kind of bullshit is about to go down, and I'm like, I'm gonna be fine because I'm about to kill I'm about to kill this person, and um, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying not to certain certain words. I'm trying not to try. <laughs> uh, I'm about to kill this uh, this person, and um, but when we got to the Marcus scene. Um, and they come back and they're like, oh, and Carl's like, did you leave the light on in the studio? And he was like, call the police. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> Don't call I'm like, the I know y'all not about to do this. <laughs> I know this is not about to happen. Right. And I'm like, no, I was like, no. No, black people don't call the police. Right? And I was like, meanwhile, was Marcus just... is like, hello, Detroit PD. <laughs> <laughs> right? My problem. father says we right. have a problem here. <laughs> and the way that that scene plays out, right? The whole scene with uh oh god, what was his son's name? Mm. Oh Jesus. Car- Carl's son, the, yeah. the father's son. Yeah, I don't remember him. Is Leo or son? Leo. It was, was it, Leo. Was it Leo? Okay. I think it was Leo. So as we were playing through that and I was and and this whole scene with Leo and then you know at the he's trying to think about how to respond right right to come into his right the way the game wants us to think about it, to come into his own personhood his own human his own humanness his own manhood right See this this shit is so problematic on so many levels. This is levels. great. This is great. Hold on. Stay <laughs> stay with this scene. Stay with this scene. I'm reliving it. <laughs> but the way he he is he's being forced to come into this, right? And you are being forced to interact with it, right? And you are being forced to like literally break through this wall or not, right? In order to in order to move forward. But at the same time, in your ear, you hearing Carl who is master, master father, right? Saying, don't fight back, don't, don't resist. Don't hit him. So this is great. Thank you for that setup, Sam, because I think the only thing I have, the, the, the only thought I have about how violence works in this game, and I will say just as a prefatory you know, remark that I will respect this project in the sense that there are, before I really feel like I have complete, a complete grasp on what I would want to say about it, I would have to spend more time with it, I'd have to play it again, which would irritate me even more, Sam, to make me send you mean texts about it. <laughs> um, I would I would really want to spend some time reading some other things, thinking about it, give it some space. You know, so these are initial reactions based on one playthrough and some glimpses of other outcomes and endings. And because it's so, because it is branching, and I think we could also talk about its mechanics, its QTE, you know, its quick time um, events, 
and it's um, flow, it's use of the flow chart and like how people are engaging that. There are things to talk about, about its structure and its mechanics that give me, you know, pause when it comes to making like a definitive statement about certain things in this game. But one thing I am sure about, because I have written about it, but I just fundamentally believe this, like probably many people at this point, um, is that the game is participating in a very common, very familiar discourse of mm. claiming that humanity is formed through violence. We've seen this before, right? So especially when it comes to blackness, that part of how your humanity is recognized, this is what I argue in Blackness is Burning, we've seen this in popular culture, in film culture, in television culture, in video games now, We've mm -hmm. seen this insistence that violence is created. Violence helps create the recognition of humanity. It's surviving violence, right? So yes, you have these nonviolent and these nonviolent reactions. But what happens is you have a witness or witnesses who will be able to say, "Oh my gosh, that is so unwarranted. That is so unfair." you're able, you're withstanding the violence of the other and that's what triggers this moment of recognition. And usually, often. That and was the rhetorical tool of, that was the rhetorical tool of abolitionists. That's yes. why we had slave narratives. Yes, yes. So that's how humanity is formed. Retaliatory violence does not produce recognition, right? We know that. That is why yeah. Carl, you know, the master father in that scene is saying, don't hit back. It's more important what, we're, what is being staged in that moment of non-resistance or absorbing mm -hmm. the violence is seeing Marcus survive this destruction of Leo because he's rising above it, because he can endure those fights and those struggles. And then we, the audience perhaps, um, or if there was anybody else around, in later scenes there is and the big sort of culmination uh, with the pr depending on which ending you know you get or which which avenue you chose I didn't choose this one so I had to see it on YouTube but which maybe we can talk about um, how all the journalists are witnessing the violence of the pro against the protesters and that literally raises you get an icon in the screen raises public opinion in their favor only when the public sees them withstand unreasonable force, unreasonable exacting force, murder of some of the androids, right? Does their humanity come into play? Do people, are people able to say, oh my gosh, wait, you can't do that. They are human too, right? That that's the turning point. And that is a gamble. So that's not what I argue in Blackness is Burning, but that's sort of the stage for it, right? That, that that's historically what we've seen. That's what we've seen in narrative culture. It's very familiar to us. We're tired of it. But what I argue in Blackness is Burning is even when that does happen and humanity is recognized, it's always fleeting. So using like psychoanalysis, whatever paradigms you want, you can use Hegel's master-slave dialectic, you can mm -hmm. use what psychoanalysts from Winnicott, not Freud, but like Koha and others have said that that type of moment, that recognition of humanity is so tenuous. It will happen, but the self needs to constantly have those rituals to be reminded of the other's humanity. Whether you're talking about racial others, it doesn't matter. Anyone who's not the self, anyone who's not in the dominant position will continually have to replay that cycle of being able to withstand violence to prove humanity. So 
it's, it's a no-win situation, right? If you constantly have to prove that. So that, to me, brings up this bigger question, or not a bigger question, but an interesting question about what games like this or what narrative works like this are really saying about humanity and, like, post-humanism and mm -hmm. this wish for the sort of situating, you know, AI in this discourse of, yes, they are human too, when we know that humanity as we've come to understand it through our social, cultural, kind of intellectual culture is a very tenuously held thing. It's a very tenuously held kind of category. And so if that's the case, and that small little kernel of recognition of humanity is the reward, why are we so fixated on telling stories that insist that this is the path and that's the reward? Buying you know, your we're, humanity we're, through your sacrifice. Yeah, right? through, the, through the suffering and survival. So the pathos of suffering and survival. So that's what we've seen. Blackness is often at the center of yes. discourses and, and fictional worlds uh, where this is, where this is the, the ritual. Um, but again, the reward is so small. Uh, many people, Afro-pessimist discourses, for example, um, myself, in a, taking a different <laughs> approach, have said... That's not the game we're interested in playing. It's a it's a zero sum. Yes. It's a zero win game. Recognizing Black humanity, people have said this in other terms and other la using other language too, right? Like, what's the role or the goal of producing empathy? What's the if, if so arousing empathy is one thing, but once you've done that, then what, right? Like, so a lot of people have kind of abandoned that as a mission. Well, Once we that moment passes, everything goes away. Empathy goes away, has to be relearned again. And even if you can maintain it, does empathy have to be paired with action, right? Like that's another challenge of, okay, you're crying for me. You got the tears of the hot tears of empathy. You know, mm -hmm. you're feeling it. They're singing a song. They literally sing, sing a spiritual in this game, <laughs> singing for their freedom. So you have people singing for their freedom and you're crying. But to what end? It's also you know, to, like to, to that affect doesn't do anything, and it actually literally hurts and kills people. Yeah, I mean, it, to, uh, to add to that, it's like basically the game is it, you could you could see the ideology of the creators in like the way they the game works out and like the way everything plays out because it's um, supposing like you're saying like it's supposing that by like by civil rights happening racism was solved you know that now we're now that part is done and that now there's a new new problem like android racism right, right? so it's like it's, it's but it's not a stable state like it's not like a struggle that you can overcome and then be good as the game supposes black people are now like in right. this near future like they're good like when you meet you know uh rose who's like the mammy figure who's very mm -hmm. upsetting yeah. um yeah. And she's like, literally points to the fact that it's like, well, we, our people had this struggle long ago, <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. why I'm empathetic to you, to your, to your struggle. But we're yeah. fine now. But I'm gonna help you, you guys out. It's it's amazing to like, you can see like, just the um, narrow-mindedness of, uh, or just like the privilege of that perspective, where you're just like yeah. seeing the world as like um, this, yeah, like kind of an ever, ever improving march into like more equality and more um more justice even like because like you're not really you're not really looking at what's happening like you're you're just mm -hmm. 
it's a you're getting a very like glossed over history of of civil rights struggles and and like yeah. race relations like it's just like so ignorant of what's actually going on mm-hmm. yeah. i mean you you get the what uh like i said so so like early like when when marcus is going to get the pace right he's coming back and and folks are you know like throwing things at him and there's the protest going on and he gets knocked to the street um, and people are like, you know, quit taking our jobs, right? You know, so there is this, there is this uh, anti-immigrant, um, there's this anti-immigrant rhetoric going on in that very moment. And I'm like, okay, so really that's, that's where you're going to go. You're going to, I mean, and my biggest problem with this is that it takes all of these moments right and yeah like you guys are saying it assumes that we we have passed these things we have become post-racial right and now we have to get post-android right but it it trivializes everything that we're going through right all of these all of these moments that we are experiencing with issues of immigration in the united states now right violence against workers um, children, small children, babies being separated from their parents at borders, right? This, this dehumanization of folks based on their race. And it takes this and it trivializes this between that with, you know, with the, you know, you're taking our jobs, go back to where you came from to those moments of don't fight back, don't resist, right? Murder of another black man, because yeah. we're still talking about Jesse Williams, right? Because I'm like, okay, that's Android Marcus, but I'm still seeing black man because I know that's I know that's Jesse. I know that's I know that's Jesse Williams. And in the same time, you know, that moment, right? That was the moment because like I said, I, I was expecting I was expecting the earlier stuff. But that was the moment that made me burst into tears because it wasn't about which, Android. Which moment? Which moment are you talking about? It was the it was that whole you know, call the police scene. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, so, okay, yeah. And, and I, the police come and listen to Leo and my, and listen to Leo. Leo's like, oh, he, 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 he caused it. And, but I wasn't violent. In seconds. Yeah. In seconds. Without question. Right. Mm -hmm. He did it. And they shoot him without listening, without any significant time passing. Right. And then we, I mean, in that moment you see, you see all of the young black boys we've seen shot in the street. Mm -hmm. You see, you see, and you think about, you know, see, I'm, I'm trying not to get but mad. Sam, I mean, that's, that's how he earns his, that's how he fought at last earns his human consciousness because but, the, that's what? the no. game's logic. That's the game's no. logic of, of he will be murdered so that he that can crawl out of the weight, out of the dystopian, um, you know, Android wasteland, the Android wasteland, like the Terminator, literally kind of elbowing it out of there and, and piecing himself back together. And cannibalize folk like himself in order to exactly. live. Exactly. So that's the reward of man. No, humanity that. formed you don't through get violence. To do that. <laughs> but that's the truth. You know, that's the that's a narrative pattern that we see in a lot of dominant dominant media depictions across mm -hmm. across form across medium. And you know, for a very, very long time, yeah. and I think that's where that. So going back to um, what Alicia was saying about 
um, wanting more from games criticism and being saddened that you know this is what we're this is what we're working with this is where we are or game scholarship you know games criticism Mm -hmm. Um, I think that as people who play games because presumably we enjoy them uh, most of the time (laughs) this conversation notwithstanding um, it's it, part of what we're saying is because we want games as a medium to do things that historically other mediums, narrative trends, you know, the, the norm. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions, but in film, you know, in television, in literature, these tropes and this pattern of humanizing through violence is persistent. So we want games to what we're saying we want is for a gaming story to do something that is rarely done in other contexts. You know, we want the game to be different. And I think that's a wish that is probably sincere. You know, it's heartfelt. But I'm starting to question myself of like, why am I asking games to do that? Like, come on. We got the books to prove that, you know, this is a rare feat to to depart from its norms it's a rare feat for the popular to depart from its norms we think maybe the games have this potential to do something really different with storytelling with you know maybe experiencing the narrative etc um but are why 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 do i expect games to do something that other mediums just can't is it because of the passage of time is it because the medium itself you know is it because of the diversity of voices has allowed other people to tell this story better though yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i mean like i said i think that was what pissed me off so much is that i was reading children of blood and bone at the same time that i was as at the same time as i was playing this game and i could see that Ademe was do was dealing with the same issues, but in a way that didn't trivialize it, in a way that didn't sensationalize it, in a way that didn't write didn't write progress in the struggle and sacrifice of race bodies. Mm-hmm. But a novel is a very different work than a than a than a game than a collaborative project, a collaborative work of of media. Well, you you know, it's, you a very, it's very different. It's a very different form. It's a very different outcome. It's very different at market expectations. I mean, I'm not going to fall back on the, but nobody will play that that game, Sam. But but should we not consider I, I, books in some ways collaborative? Because yeah, in no, some ways no, they books are. are. Yeah, yeah, no, books are collaborative. They're differently collaborative, yes. than, let's say, than games are. Um, well, there is a, there is a matter of, of expectations. marketing because, like, the, yeah, this game has Sony behind it, which is gives it so much weight. But like we, you mentioned, Samantha um, Tacoma, which does cover a lot of these issues in a really interesting way, and it, that did get in, like kind of under under unreported, like really like it flew under the radar. A lot of people didn't play it, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. But it like literally goes into the politics of of AI and ties it to labor labor politics in the future that are like likely to happen because it's uh, a crew of humans working on a space station and they're like essentially indentured to the corporation like um, mm-hmm. and but in a way that it's like it's made um, more palatable because it's, it's spoken it's like re- it's, it's played out or pre- pre- it's presented in the language of like um, of the gig the gig economy and Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, mm-hmm. so it kind of like incorporates some of those elements into like the, the why, the, how the story plays out and how 
and how it happens, and then like, an, and then it inserts the humanity of the crew. Because I think like, mm-hmm. you you just can't tell a story about um, like artificial life and without talking about humanity as well. And like, the minute you like leave, like um, you stop, you pretend that they're different things is when you fail as a storyteller. <laughs> like because they're not. Like they're always meant to remark back upon humanity, because mm-hmm. like, so especially when you know robots are have always been an allegory for slavery and for labor relations um to like miss the mark by you know by just completely ignoring the human side of it or making the humans a bar that can be filled up to achieve your final goal you just your story has no weight and no heft like it's not gonna like be accomplish anything so like yeah Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. I would. I would only add to that that in, in, in addition to realizing that these works are always going to be about coming back to discussions about humanity, I think that our popular kind of vernacular understandings of humanity and what humanity is have to be updated. You know, in light of all of the ways in which we sort of failed at producing. Um, a critical, you know, sort of satisfying take on what humanity looks like. How do you achieve humanity, right? Like you have groups that are never human or rarely human and barely human. And I think that, and I think some games are trying to do that. Like even in this game, you know, showing that the most abject violence, well, that you have the androids kind of retaliatory violence. In most cases, it was because they had PTSD. You know, they were abused by their owners or people that they interacted with. Um, and those were sort of the gross, you know, the, the, the dregs of humanity. So there was, I think there was a, an attempt here to comment on, um, you know, sort of these gross depictions of humanity, of the sort of vile, uh, the vile humans who are perpetuating this kind of senseless violence, but they were they were separate from the good humans, right? So there was that dichotomy of like, no, there is an organic human consciousness that is good and that is ultimately fair and can come around, right, to all of this. And I think that's the position that has to be interrogated or thought about a little more kind of complexly in these narratives that are going to continue to be about you know, android versus human, AI versus people, whatever, that ground of human is good is something that I think has to, I'm not saying humans are not, I'm just saying, what is human? How do you become human? Historically, if that's a small little kernel of a small little drop of of people who occasionally achieve that and then it only dissipates, then, you know, what are we really talking about here as the human? So I think that that's yeah. the kind of thing that the, I would the, love. The humans never become human. The humans, the humans have haven't to... lived up to their own definition exactly of what human is. And that's why so many people are like, look, that's beside the point. At this point, we need to rally behind something else like our common, like, you know, as Youssef is saying in his article, um, our common position as marginalized workers. That's the real threat. So mm-hmm. some would argue that these these 
um, repeated popularizations of these narratives about the same thing, about like humans versus androids, or even just flawed, just incomplete, disappointing racial allegories are a distraction from something else that would really have some legs and some reach in mobilizing. So, you know, seeing the story mobilize around labor or class or say, look, all of the androids, you know, who were co-coded as slaves here, all of the unemployed, all of the underemployed human workers, that's where we unite. And then you want to see a revolution, right? Because, you know, I don't know if we're going to talk about the endings, but I went that route. I was there. And I love <laughs> the aspect of the flow chart where you could see the world. Yeah, the, the world. I, we got to talk about that, that, that data <laughs> collection and all of that, too. And that yeah. creepy, the creepy AI guide that you have, the, the one who was her. I think she has a name. I think her name is Chloe, maybe. I don't know. Um, the one who, the one who freaked you the, out when you first turned the game on. She's right there. I didn't play the game for a good three or four days just upon her saying hello. Can you see me clearly? And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's, it's terrifying, um, that particular Android. But. But uh, see, I got I got all sidetracked. Um, oh, but I wanted to talk about what the revolution can even look like in this context, right? Like, even if we take the game's investments at face value, whatever it's self-consciously and like reflexively trying to do, because you know, it, whether it's on race, we think okay, race is muddled. The racial discourse or its racial um, dystopia. I'm looking at my notes of how I talked about. Um, racial dystopias in other games like The Walking Dead and The Last of Us and what was so disappointing about those attempts at evoking empathy. Um, I think that applies here too, but if we're just trying to figure out what is it seemingly invested invested in, it's not really the, the conversations about race um, or labor even, it's definitely this android versus human question, right? Like, what is humanity, and is our humanity expansive enough to allow for artificial intelligence, or is it not? Is artificial intelligence dangerous, et cetera? So that's like the Terminator, you know, the, the Matrix, the Terminator line mm -hmm. of things. Like, that's what it's invested in. So if we take it seriously and just think about that investment, what it is invested in, and try to follow it through, what does revolution look like, you know, in that context? And it was disappointing to me. I mean, it was my ending, um, and I tried to look at the other, like, revolution endings just to see if I messed up because, you know, the quick time events, you got to be fast. <laughs> you got to be nimble. You got to be fast with those buttons. And if you miss one, then maybe you just messed up your revolution. You missed a couple of little <laughs> sequences there. So I just wanted to make sure I got the real revolution because that's what I went for. And um, even there, you know, it's like, oh, you know, we've, 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 Marcus is like, hey, we're together. This is a new day. We're going to be free, but it's a new dark day. It's the beginning of a massive war, massive scale war, right? So the game ends with, okay, we've run this, we've won this battle, but if you go the revolutionary route, you're not feeling too great necessarily about the war, the larger war at, at, ahead. So that's kind of where it ends of just, okay, you got, a, you got a, big, um, a big task on your hands. And so then I wanted to say, well, if you take the non-revolutionary approach 
and that is sort of recognizing the humanity because the revolutionary pr approach is society can't recognize the humanity of the androids so you're going to force recognition and remember we've already learned that retaliatory violence doesn't work in that scheme it doesn't work to produce recognition because all the defenses are up oh no you want to kill us you can't be human can't see your humanity because you're trying to kill me right so we know that 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 path doesn't evoke but in the right in the pacifist um endings what did you guys get that because what happens there you know did anybody choose oh, the pacifist? Oh, i certainly did because i i knew that's what the game wanted me to do it sure did, it right? Really like, that's does. the good ending. That's Pick the good yeah. ending. No, see, and that's why I wouldn't choose it. See, because, <laughs> because all the time I was playing this game, all I'm the still time a gamer. It, I want to win. Yeah, I know. I, I was on the fence, Yusef. I was on the fence. Actually, there was a moment where you could say, um, you know, during one of the marches, there's like a couple of different marches, but I think this might have been the Freedom March. I think it's the chapter is literally called like the Freedom March. Mm -hmm. And you have a chance to decide, are you going to attack? Or are you going to be peaceful? And I was like torn because I had done, okay, when we had the riot and it did turn a little, it turned a little, you know, so-called revolution. It turned violent because I started overturning cars and stuff and just got swept away. And I was like, I didn't think about it, but I just felt right. I tried to be pacifist, but then the other androids just started tearing stuff up too. And I was like, oh man. And we were 75%, you know, violent versus nonviolent. But you have another moment during the Freedom March, the Freedom March. And so I felt bad. I felt the legacy of Dr. King. I was like, ah, oh, damn it. So. It's, oh, no, no. Yusef called it the milk toast. MLK. <laughs> <laughs> milk toast. I know. I felt it. I felt it. And I said, okay, okay. I'm not going <laughs> to attack. I'm not going to attack. But this, Yusef, is exactly what you're proves exactly what you're saying is the game wants you to be the pacifist yeah. because no. I, put, I put my hands up I was like we're not going to attack we're just walking down you know we're just walking down the bridge together we're walking <laughs> and they start shooting at you but then the researcher in me was like oh hell no because public opinion goes up that was the turning point for me they shoot at you you're a pacifist public opinion goes up it's the on screen um, confirmation you know and it's user interface confirmation that you're supposed to endure violence in order to sway public, crazy ass yeah. public opinion to recognize your humanity. You got to play this spectacle out. Yep. So that's when I turned and was like, attack. And then we were <laughs> in it for the revolution because, yes, yeah. it wants you to do that. And when you do that, is it satisfying? Like, my guess is probably not. Not at all. Yeah. But that's the peaceful ending, and yep. then people can sort of start to come around, right? But see, like I said, the whole time, for me, this game was all about mapping um, current and historical events. Because this is what the game is trying to do, is mapping these events onto, onto, the, onto the narrative events in-game, right? So as we're going through, and I'm like, no. No, I'm not going pacifist, because... We have been trying this pacifist route for all for all too long. We have. I Maybe knew I wrote a book to... about it and I still fell for it. That's how entrenched <laughs> I'm not falling for these it. I'm ideologies like, no. are. That's how Let's entrenched these ideologies cars. are. Let's set some shit on fire. <laughs> we we about to go full revolutionary. 
And and I'm yes, you can feel it. You can feel that yes, the game wants you to go pacifist. The game wants you to go pacifist, right? Because the game is still, you know, yes, it's going it's going it's going milk toast MLK. It's not yes. going yes, yes. it's no, not, not going full MLK. MLK. Right. No. It's not going full MLK and it definitely ain't going Malcolm. It's going to it's it's going letter. It's going a uh, letter from a Birmingham jail. Is where it's going. Yes, right. It's not the full MLK, MLK. and right. it's not. It's definitely not his labor class. You classes yes. unite. Yes, that was his final mission, right? And yes. it's not. It's definitely not that. It is just the simulacra of nonviolence. Right? Yes, the very hollow pastiche symbol of it. That's what they want. Yeah, right. The performance of literally that, writing the symbols um, on the wall. I have a dream. <laughs> Spray painting it on the and, wall. and literally letting you choose literally. from those weird symbols that they have the kind of fist. Of course, I chose the fist because it was the closest to Black Power, but <laughs> they make you, you know, they, they, it's, it's, it's trafficking in its symbols, and it just wants you to have the symbolic performance of that, and then you'll get your reward with the good ending, which we've been conditioned to really want, you know. We I don't really want the good want, ending. No, we really want people to live, you know. We don't want the characters dying, and people. I was losing people, boy. Ooh, I, I, was, I lost Kara and Alice. They froze to death. They were in <laughs> Uncle Tom's cabin scene crossing the frozen <laughs> river like Eliza. And I was like, what? So that just blew my mind that the, the, the white women androids froze to death on the river. I was like, oh, my God. I have to slow it I mean, down. I shouldn't even say anything better, about this. better than this. my outcome. Like, I had them on the river and then Luther... <laughs> Died, Luth- died on the river. When, and, died on the river. and they Luther made it across. No and what. they made Luther it across. And, I think so. And he was Wait, like, Luther died on the river, and they made it free. Yeah, he was like, Oh no. He was like, Well, at least I uh, got to help you along <laughs> on your journey. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. He's the noble savage and magic negro. Oh, oh, all <laughs> wrapped up is. into a nice big bow. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, my Luther the... died earlier than that. He was gone. He was he died on the boat. I think we never saw him again. Mm-hmm. He took a bullet. He took so he did something sacrificial though. Like he helped us get out. So he did s- sacrifice himself before freezing to death or dying on the river. <laughs> but so they got to Canada and lived in your game. Yeah, pretty much all my characters except for Luther survived. He was the only person who died. <laughs> Oh, wow. So they were the only people, well, Luther also died, but they were the only, like, of the main four, of the main characters that you play. Kara was the only one that died for me. And I was like, I wonder if she always dies. But then I saw some scenes of them being in a concentration camp and was like, that blew my mind. Oof, of the, that was of the a, that nude was really robots. Rough, yeah. That was <laughs> horrible. I was like, that's the alternative? Because I kept wondering, why don't they have to stay and fight in the revolution? I decided revolution. Why is she running off to Canada? I don't understand. Fight for the people. And she Mm-mm. was running off to Canada. I didn't have that. I, I didn't see where I make, could make the choice that she would not go to Canada. She just went. And I was like, I would rather her stay and fight because they don't have that many people. They don't have that many androids fighting with them. It's anyway, like David Cage just had a, had a bucket. It's like, it's here's so a big-ass bucket so weird. of oppressed people. What we gonna choose next? <laughs> I mean, it was and, and the constant, yeah, and then the, the 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 skinless robots in the concentration camp, and mm-hmm. then I was like, is this this is like the movie? It's a beautiful life. She has to cheer up Alice in the concentration. Yep. I'm like, just be a realist and tell her. Just yes. tell her. 
It's all about it, Prince of Pacey. Yes, I mean, that, that is exactly, it's, ugh. Or like See, that's why I can't get, yeah. that's why I can't get behind this. So, but I do, but I, like I said, I think that when I went back and looked at what I said about other dystopian games, I, I laid out four criteria, and I'm pretty sure this fails at all of them, but I just wanted to go back and say, like, <laughs> what was the language? Um, and the first one was, because I was saying, what does it, what would it take to have a critical racial dystopia? You know, because that's what I was interested in talking about blackness in the, um, the Walking Dead games and in The Last of Us, you know, where blackness is, empathy is sort of aroused around these characters only to end up sacrificing or killing them off. So I was kind of wondering, like, what could it look like to have uh, a dystopia, which I think as a vehicle... I'm intrigued by dystopias. I mean, I read a lot of dystopias and watch dystopian films, and so I'm intrigued by dystopias' potential to say and do something critical. It does, they don't always do that, and sometimes they just kind of further foster a sense of nihilism and inevitability um, mm -hmm. around things, and they're not critical dystopias. But I was playing with this idea of what would a critical racial dystopia look like, and the first thing I said was, you know, they would ha the, the work would have to be reflexive or self-conscious about its mission, about the argument that it's making on the thing, about the topic. So in this case, race. And this game does not do that. It's not self-consciously or reflexively engaged in its a racial allegory as its centerpiece. It's doing other things. It wants to do go that route of like the human versus the non-human. That's its principal kind of critical location, right? Um, and even that, if we follow that, I think is flawed. But it's certainly, if we just stay with race, it's like, no, fail on that. Um, there's other topics, though, that I think, you know, would be worth exploring. But I don't know that it's super self-conscious about those things. Anyway, I think it's kind of confused about some of those other topics. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing was even when it fails at that. So you get a chance here. You know, you get a chance. If it fails at that often there's an active discourse community around the work. So if we think about yeah. Night of the Living Dead, if we think about, you know, films like The Matrix and yeah. the long-standing claims that a black woman wrote The Matrix, you know, like, I don't know, I'm not getting into that. But if we think about what audiences, what critics and other people have said around a work, and even if the work itself is not super self-conscious about its argument, if people receive it and interpret it in a certain way yes. and take meaning from that work, then I think that that can be very valuable too, right? So this active critical discourse community, and I didn't do a lot of research on this, but based on what journalists and what writers have been saying about the game, just looking at reviews and looking at the headlines and the titles of those, um, of those reports and the write-ups on the game, I'm going to say no. And I think Yousef's, Yousef's great title, How Detroit Siphons and Squanders a History of Marginalized Struggle, mm -hmm. is great. Like, right, that's, that's <clears throat> more consistent with what I think um, is out there about the game. So it doesn't have that critical discourse community that is all about, you know, its, its, its mission, especially as it relates to race. That's where people were like, no, this is terribly disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, w I haven't done the research on what, fans of the of, of or gamers players have said about it but the metacritic score if you can trust metacritic and i have you know my misgivings about that was kind of low but i didn't read through comments and try to figure out what people are actually saying but my guess is going to be that they're not all about yes the revolution is successful and here's here's something we can take away from this game i'm going to guess probably not as far as race mm -mm. is concerned the human question android question I don't know, maybe. 
Um, number three, I said, you know, that usually, uh, for, for, for my purposes, a critical dystopia is something that maintains hope and shows a path. So it's going to point out the flaws and the problem, but it doesn't succumb to complete nihilism. There's usually some element of hope in its critique, some kind of progressive vision for a way out or critique. There's, there's an element of um, there's a way to survive the conditions that we brought up and critiqued. And, and if we don't fo follow them in this narrative, you know what? Dystopias are also cautionary, so maybe you, gamers, players, people, you know, might want to heed this advice, right? So there's some kind of, of critical element of hope there. And then number four, and this was really important to me and really obvious in playing this game, is that it maintains a progressive intertextuality with other works because, and this is again going back to Alicia's comment about what we hope games can mm. do, because we know these stories have been told, we know that blackness has been sacrificial, mm -hmm. blackness has been a signifier for revolution in dystopian narratives from the Matrix, through the Terminator series, through Children of Men, just name them and list them all, right? That there are ways in which blackness labors in that context, and we would like an intertextual relationship that advances those yeah. characters beyond some mm -hmm. of those tropes yeah. and we certainly don't see that here we see a recapitulation of some old school tropes it's not even yeah. about the sci-fi tropes well, yeah there's no advancement there. yeah those are there those sci-fi tropes for blackness are certainly here in in detroit um but i mean this might as well be the lord of the rings but yeah, but you also get the Mammy, and you also get the Noble Savage, and the Magic Negro, and then you get these empty signifiers for like resistance, and you know, sacrifice, and some other things that are tr that are more common for sci-fi, um, mainstream sci-fi stories about that have that evoke race because you know it works well when you're talking mm -hmm. about suffering and slaves and everything. You can throw some black people in there because we're gonna get it right. So it doesn't do that. And that, that I think is sad for people who are like fans of the genre, who are mm -hmm. fans of dystopian narratives and want to see the games do something else. So, you know, as far as I can tell, this game doesn't do those things. It's not giving me that kind of critical dystopia that we might want. So then otherwise it's like, what is, so my, my question then for us, and I don't know if we have time to answer this because it's getting late, <laughs> my question for us is just what does it mean to kind of keep simulating this stuff, right? To play in this space where you're playing at this revolution. Like when Sam and I chose the revolutionary, you know, outcome, the revolutionary ending, does that do anything for us? Is it cathartic? Is it just painful? What is it? What other kind <laughs> of work can these games do or these narratives works do when it comes to simulating a revolution or simulating the end times or the, the you know, like I said, Alexa, you know, we, we know what's going to happen with Alexa because every dystopian narrative about technology has already told us it doesn't end well. We know what's the, what's um, Skynet? We know that. We know Skynet is Google. We know it. So what, if that's the end point, what does rehearsing in these in these contexts in these narrative space in the meantime do? You know, mm -hmm. does it give us the tools of resisting Alexa when she's just like, "Hey, you know, I'm human. Let's go. Let's get it." Does that help? You know, or do we join her? Like, does what kind of cultural, social, psychological work does continuing to play in these spaces do? 
for us knowing you know even when we see the signs of like oh man it wants me to do the dumb thing <laughs> or you know my people are gonna die luther's gonna die on the on the on the river luther's gonna die anyway uh, so. I think he must. I don't. I don't know. No, no, no. He in the concentration camp version. He's alive and naked there with them. He's like he's in the somehow he got caught and he was mm. in the con. The version I saw online was he was also skinless and whatever. With he was there cheering for them. But you could sacrifice. I think he can. I don't he, can survive, he can sacrifice. Um, if I think yeah, if you I'd, sacrifice the other people in that camp. Yeah, yeah. there were other people that you got to sacrifice. And there's a whole meta commentary on on Alice and Kara. And like what what they represent in this game, I don't know. But yeah, she because because Kara can choose to sacrifice some of the other people who are her befriended her instead. But I don't. But Lu, but Luther does can live. He didn't live, and maybe he's, doesn't live in most of the versions. But well, as was, I was, like, was mentioned, like the end is basically like if you choose violence, then you it's like it's so it's very incredibly discouraging because yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. you're like well here you go like your world. Your your future, the rest of your future is just like gonna suck, and it's like you could you can you know see the ideology in that statement, and like and especially when if you do it the pacifist route, then you basically it's kind of like, I mean it's literally like just begging the dominant society to recognize you, right? And then right. Mm-hmm. it goes great, they do. They're like, oh well, you just have to ask nicely, you know, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to, you know, yeah. don't make us feel uncomfortable. Like don't See, don't no. don't struggle too hard. You literally sang for your freedom. They, there's like, a oh, moment like where songs. you can sing. I don't know if you said if you chose that moment in your pacifist playthrough, but there's literally a moment where you can sing for your freedom. I was seeing like Matt clips of this, of like um, Marcus, you know, on the in front of the guns, just starting to sing. With a Pepsi um, in his hand. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> sing. Yes. And I don't know if other characters... Well, they join you, but and then I'm like, it's musical theater. Well, I didn't get the singing, but the I think you can, like... I did one where, like, two characters can, like, can kiss each other. Yeah. And then yeah. the cops, like, they're like, well, we can't shoot you now. Yeah, uh, I know. Because this is real That's, love. They're humans yeah. now, because they're kissing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. See? <laughs> Interracial love story. In real life too. <laughs> I, in, in real life too. That works. That works so well for so many others, you know. So. But you know, like, like Yusuf, you just said, you know, it's like you choose the revolutionary ending, and it, it's like, well, now your life's gonna suck. My whole thing with choosing the revolutionary ending is your life's gonna suck anyway, right? Because here you are, like Trey said, you know, singing for your freedom, and we know how well that has worked. How well singing, dancing, playing basketball, and shuffling has worked thus far. Sure. I mean, well, that's why it's so flawed. Like, the question in itself is flawed from the beginning. Because I, mean, I keep thinking of Mafia 3, because, like, that is a game that has an honest appraisal of what will, what will happen if you, you know, just, like, yes. put your gun down and walk into uh, yeah. a certain territory, right? Like. <laughs> So like, yeah. and that's, and I think that's a case where like the violence does feel cathartic. And I did write about that where it's like, there's like, um, it, it calls into question like pacifism and in the face of like, in the face of pressure, oppression and violence, like, and it, and it creates a scenario mm-hmm. where um, even though, yeah, things are still bad. Like, I think you're, like you are literally building community <laughs> through like, through your actions and you are mm-hmm. resisting the dominant like white structure. So like that, 
the, yeah, I think that is a game that is like that Detroit could have used a few lessons from. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. and yeah, the the violence, the violence that was, uh, the violence that was committed by me in Mafia Three was was cathartic, and it was cathartic for me here too. <laughs> like I said, if you if you make it feel like a real world for me, then I'm going to I am going to make it feel real for you. Right, and when I'm saying you, I'm talking about in game, right? Uh-huh. And and that's why I could not go with the pacifist ending because I'm like, so okay, we we we're gonna sing for our freedom, <laughs> not right? We gonna sing for our freedom, and then everything's gonna be good. No, no, it's not because that's not where we are. If you are going to tie this to um, a very specific. Uh, historical, racial, social, cultural, uh, class-based line, right? Then I'm going to follow that line to its true end. And that pacifist ending is not it. And I think what makes it feel so unsatisfying, that part of uh, the pacifist route so unsatisfying is because you know that that is going to be tenuously held. What happens is public approval, public opinion is fickle, that recognition of, of your humanity, of Android humanity, whatever, we know that it's gonna be fine for a minute, a flicker of a minute, but then don't let something else happen, and then boom, it's gone, right? Something small, something seemingly, you know, not even related, and then, oh no, the androids are vicious villains again, or the black what black people, or what? so it's just as, as, as tenuously um, mm-hmm. established, it, it, it will be as tenuously. And that, know, that could have been really an, an, an interesting thing to do in the game, like, which they and they kind of there's hints of it where like the media is like kind of at first portrays you like really skeptically, and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, that's how it would be. But then they're like immediately they're like, okay, well actually they, they're still doing it, so they must really be serious, yeah. and they kind of immediately switch to your side. But like it would have been interesting to to show the frustration of like um participating in nonviolent organization and seeing how the media like twists that which like anybody who has done that would know like explicitly like you know just like how uh, in protest they always focus on the one or two anarchists and they're like well these guys are breaking windows so clearly the whole right. protest is flawed like you know that's something happens happens all the time it's like the media is like is is literally searching out ways to like maintain the hegemony of or the the status quo of like what's what currently exists um and like it just it's not a blank slate that you are putting points into um and they could have done something interesting that that question that subverted some of the the pacifist route but that's not what they wanted to do because they i mean there's no way they have that kind of like class awareness and consciousness like from everything that is in the game i mean i I just want to (laughs) mention Like it's so uh, one of the more emblematic emblematic scenes is when Minka Kelly's character is like literally yelling at um, Josh, who's one of the black androids who's like, on mm-hmm. your crew, who's the pacifist yeah. guy, and she's like, "You might as well be a slave if you don't fight yes. these uh, humans." And you're like, yeah. "Minka Kelly, you need to take a seat." <laughs> what well, that See? was such mm-hmm. a that's the moment she get her mouth blew out right there, right there. <laughs> That was such a problematic character and casting decision anyway because 
I see why you have to make Joss a pacifist because you can't have two armed black men saying, oh, yeah, it's going to go down, right? Mm -hmm. You had to have the North character say, I'm going to be for the violence. But I'm a hot lady. I know. I'm a hot lady. It's safer to make her for that position than it is for Joss who has to, you know, he died. What did he do? He died in my game? Yeah, he died in my game. Um he died in the big, you know, showdown. So, so it's safer for her to have that impulse than for him to have that impulse and potentially have two characters coded as black mm-hmm. having that revolutionary impulse. Cause it's a, then it's like starting to be a different game, you know. Then then we're like, okay, well, let me let me think about this this part a little bit more. You know, it's, it probably will still falter on some of these other points, but that particular one, Josh had to be of the pacifist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still mad. It's okay. I'm gonna be mad. It's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be mad for a long I, time. I loved how Yusuf said in his uh, article, "How is peaceful protest working for Colin Kaepernick?" I mean, like again, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the pacifist route, the nonviolent route, the absorb the suffering and the violence of rhetoric, vi- actual violence, whatever, you know, does not work. It doesn't work. It's, no. a, it's a it's a it's a mirage to think that it's actually gonna work and be sustainable it's right not, because not, I mean the response is still going to be the same whether you have a revolutionary uh, whether you have a revolutionary stance or a peaceful one it still brings about this continue this continuation of oppression mm-hmm. right and it is that that still falling back on the you know, I mean, so for for Colin Kaepernick is it is it is you know well you know he should just shut up and play football right he should just shut up and play football right then that goes back to that we still been singing we still been dancing we still been shuffling playing basketball playing football we still been entertaining right in that in that attempt to, to prove self worth right I mean so anytime you step outside of that circle and say. I'm not just going to entertain, but I am going to defend, I am going to defend my right to live, right? At the same time, and it's like, nope, shut up and go back to entertaining, right? So, and that, that, that goes back to, for me, right, why the only ending was a revolutionary one. That's the only possible ending there was for me. Yeah, but I just don't think the game, like, does anything with it. No, it doesn't because it, it's just it's just like because Alicia mentioned it earlier. Life is strange, right? It's just like life is strange. You got two possible endings. It's clear which ending they want yeah. you to choose mm-hmm. because that's the more fully fleshed out ending, mm-hmm. right? And it's not the ending that just kind of peters out. It's yeah, it's absolutely clear which ending they expect you to choose, which is also problematic oh, for yeah. me because yeah. you got a bunch of white folks saying no, we want you to we want you to play this pacifist route. And, and just accept it when they start shooting at you. Right. I mean, yeah. so... That's what's so funny, uh, like, about... Or it's what's, like, David Cage telling on himself is, like, this is actually pretty racist, what you're, what you're saying right now. Like, what you're proposing through this story of this game is, like, yeah, to to be... Or to to shut up or to, to take it, you know? Like, to, to take the violence. Because mm-hmm. if you respond, then that's your fault. Um, right. And so, like, you know, you don't make us hurt you. And like, so like that's essentially what the argument is with the game, for the entire game. 
watching you fall dead on the ground will show us that oh my gosh yeah. you were human and therefore we will accept and embrace you you know that's 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 what it is but it's too say. damn late i'm dead yeah well not all of you, not <laughs> of you. you know what i'm just gonna a couple, a couple hundred of you guys maybe survived yeah, you know take so me to we'll the factory give me some new parts i'm good i'll be yeah. good i'm gonna make everybody else's day better um, did, did any? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, did anyone turn Connor? I made him be a deviant because I was like, oh, sure. you can't yeah. make me sabotage my own revolution. Are you serious? Yeah. Like once I decided, I was like, no, this is the revolution. Connor, um, what is he from the Matrix? Mister Smith, the yeah. sort of continually replicating, re re rebooting. Um, whiteness, right? Like he's viral whiteness. He keeps coming back, and he's like, <laughs> the machine's gonna stop itself. Really? The machine's but gonna then, he, itself, then he becomes you know? the woke white guy. And the game is self-conscious about <laughs> he that. Becomes the woke like, white he becomes the so woke white guy. Yeah, yeah. He became the woke white guy. It's and so he good. Went and woke up all the other white white androids. Because when I when I went into there, it was just like all a whole bunch of white dudes. But then when they started walking behind him, it was like more racially diverse. But in the actual building, mm -hmm. it was all the same white dude. And Connor woke him up and was like, <laughs> you know, long live the revolution. And so I was like, you have to make Connor fight for that side. Be a deviant if if you're gonna um, have a revolution because you can't sabotage your own mission. Like that's what you're you're faced with doing. You know, Connor has to be though. So there were two early moments that made me know Connor had to turn, and <laughs> Connor had to turn right in that in that early moment in the police station with the dude who stabbed the who stabbed his who stabbed his oh, master yeah. twenty eight times. And right he, when he, he was pushes like pushes him. He pushes him. He pushes him one, but he also says when he's talking to the cops, he says this deviancy is brought on by PTSD. So he recognizes yes, yes, yes. that there is this inherent post-traumatic stress disorder that comes just from being. He being understands being. that, mm -hmm. right? So that moment and that second moment when he goes. Um, and I'm assuming everybody saw this, right? When he goes and he sees the tombstones from his previous selves. Uh, I don't think I saw that one. It doesn't you didn't see that one? What no. did he see? His, he saw my, Connor, well, Connor saw his own It's because my Connor never died because I'm really good at this game. My oh, Connor well, see, all the time. I'm, I'm really bad died. at this game because I'm like, fuck I, the police. And um, <laughs> There were times when I put the controller down on Connor's time. Oh. And Connor, I, Connor died every single time oh my in my God. game. I was like, I will not save you. No, because he kept coming back. And there was one time where you're supposed to find out where the... Um, where Jericho is, it gives you five minutes to try to solve this simple puzzle. This simple, oh, you got to put this part in this one. You know, it gives you all that time, and I let the clock run out because I was sabotaging was like, Connor. I'll be back. I'm going to the bathroom. Cannot fail. He cannot fail. To a certain point, he cannot fail. They they want you to get him to the end to the the big decision making tree. But I was like, I've been making the same decision all along about Connor's fate. Yeah. They want you to play it out with all three of them and, and then make the decision, is Connor going to fail? I was like, Connor's been failing, man. He's dying every time. <laughs> and I up. love how Hank would make jokes about it and be like, oh, my God, there you are again. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you back? <laughs> I was I, like, I, I do, agree. I do have a soft spot for Hank. 
Yeah, I know. He's constructed that way because Hank is the one who saves Marcus in my game. Like Connor's trying to, well, not in my game, but in the game that I watched, Connor was trying to shoot Marcus, and Hank comes out and was like, "You will not do that. These are these androids are people." Yeah. I was like, "Look at him recognizing. Yeah. He saw all the androids being shot. You know what turned him was the." The, the lesbian like sex workers or android sex workers that turned Hank and he was like they just wanted to be together they just needed to be with each other like I get that damn it <laughs> like that that turned him yeah so you know uh, and so in in my game um, so the part where he goes and and he, and he talks to oh what's her name um Andrea. Oh Amanda! Amanda, thank you. The Oracle. He, yeah, when he goes and talks to the when he goes and he talks to the Oracle, and um, and she says, you know, you lose a little bit of your memory every time, blah blah blah. So, in that garden, off to the side, it may have been there. You might just may not have seen it. Off to mm. the side, there's like oh. a little. There's like just like there's just like a little bump out. If you go over there, all of his. Um, all of his dates of death is tombstones with all of his dates of death. So depending oh. on how many times you you died, you oh, can see wow. which dates you died. <laughs> and and I was like, dude, you know, you've died this many times, and you're oh. losing a bit of yourself in this struggle. How you gonna go for the pacifist ending? No, we all go in revolutionary. <laughs> Wow, I missed that. See, I might want to... Oh, no, Sam, you're not going to make me do it. I might want to play that again just to see his graves because he died so much. How many times? You got to go just to take a screenshot. Don't say. Don't say. Just go in and take a screenshot. Even in the opening scene, I lost it. I was like... I wasn't even trying to kill him in the very... I just messed up with the quick time events in the very, when he's trying to save the girl on the roof. And I messed up, and Connor dies, and I yelled to my wife. I was like, "Babe, I already killed one. And he's gone. <laughs> That's what you I didn't know he was gonna. I, I know. I didn't know he was. Of course, you don't know he's gonna come back at that point. I yep. was like, he's dead. I killed one of the well, the principal characters right off the bat. Yep. But um, but now nah, he kept coming back. Mr. I, I killed. He he died for me on the rooftop too. He died for me on the rooftop too. Yeah. <laughs> I went for moving the girl. I mean, you know, I'm sure he could have in Yusuf's game. He maybe he didn't fall off the. The, um, no, he did. He, fell. I, 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 See, he did actually die for that in that part for me. Wait, did he fall off? Did he fall off the roof for you? Yeah, I kind of I sacrificed myself to save the, girl. save the girl. Yeah. Okay. So he didn't fall off for me. He got shot. Yeah, that happens too. Yeah, he got yeah. shot for me. Okay. <laughs> See, we had fun, guys, <laughs> laughing and everything. No, no, we That's laughing right. now. I was <laughs> mad. I was mad the whole time I was playing that game. They're laughing watching Connor get shot over and over again. I know. And, and I was, especially when I deliberate, when I was conscious yeah. and I was like, no, Connor will die. I will not help you. I will not save you. You will not find any of these androids, the deviant androids. <laughs> they were getting away left and right. It was like, oh, there's one. You know, the, the women run across a busy yeah. highway. He still couldn't catch them. They're like, nope. They're like, do you want to go get them? No, I don't want to go nope. get them. Nope. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, but, I wouldn't uh, let him catch. He wouldn't catch nobody. Forget it. Well, maybe the pleasure, because yeah, I still want to know. You know, what is the what? What do we get from simulating these kinds of things? Simulating this revolution, or simulating these dystopias that are irritating and disappointing? Um, you know, maybe it's this discourse community, like post gameplay. Maybe the actual play sessions 
are what they are, but maybe it's kind of finding the common ground and community around the work where you can just validate that, yes, you were saying you are not crazy. What you experienced in that game was some bullshit. You know, maybe that's <laughs> that kind of dialogue around a work is 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 its contribution. You know, it, it is that we are talking about it. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know, Trey. I mean, I agree to a certain extent, but at the same time, I don't want. I don't want a, a game. I don't want anything to make me feel that kind of anger, disappointment. Um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Because it, it, it is not just, so if, if a piece can make me feel angry, if a piece can make me feel disappoint, disappointed and be cathartic because I think that it is touching upon something that's valuable, I am down for that. Mm. This piece, this is some bullshit, mm. right? Because, and I say that specifically because it is, it's, it's, it's exploitative, mm -hmm. right? It is exploiting and trivializing centuries of racism, sexism, oppression, classism, all the isms you can possibly name. And and that is and that is where the problem lies for me. Because it could have been done in such a way that it it did call upon history to enrich it, but that's not what this did. Mm-mm. Or it could have made, um, like Trey was mentioning, like or it could have been like a object that generated discussion inadvertently, like while telling yeah. another story. But I think they were very cynical with this game, and very clearly were like using the energy of the civil rights to um, to graft onto their story to make their story seem more more like potent, more important. When it obviously it, it was like the most basic, dumb story, but because they're they're like, oh, but civil rights is important, isn't it? Like, you know, black people, like they're like using that pain to like, um, to make a crappy story seem more, um, yeah, more uh, meaningful when it's not. So like right. that, that's and that's even that's worse than if they had made a game that was seemingly like maybe apolitical or um, uh, not lacking of historical context that we could have then added context to. Like that would have been like that's more. I kind of like doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I enjoy doing that. Uh, when th you know pieces don't necessarily intend to like, but this I think this one this one really even despite all of his protestations to the to the latter, like Cage wanted to make a game that was like pushing buttons on in mm -hmm. terms of people's historical recollections of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, because there have been other games that have been. More cath like if I think about other games that have made me angry or made me or made me I don't, I'm not a big crier right and this game made me cry not because it was made me sad but it, ma it made me cry because I was just pissed the fuck off that I could not get at the person who had made me so angry <laughs> but, <laughs> but like if I think about like Bastion Bastion is a game I have played like a gazillion times and it never fails that there is an end point at that game or a section at near the end of that game, right? Where it gets at the heart of, of the struggle between indigenous populations and the colonizer, right? That makes me cry every single time. 
that is something that I think is done, in my opinion, well, right? This is not. It 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 brings about feelings of frustration that are compounded by the frustration that I already feel. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I was just about just saying, trying to throw it a breadcrumb into <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not disagreeing least, with you, though, Trey. At least we're talking and we're having this moment of really being able to wade through it. Um, I think if I table what the game does not do in a satisfying way as far as race, race is concerned and it working as a racial allegory, even if I table that and just stay with its point about humanity, AI, etc., that as as Yusef is saying, like that is the core of its story. That's its core investment, and it tacks on all this other stuff, sensationalized like misogyny, you know, this his historical mm-hmm. tropes of like racial oppression and sac- and survival. It tacks all that on, but the core part of its story, these questions about what is human, that's where it just it it doesn't do its own work. It doesn't mm-hmm. give us the story about how to na- if, if dystopias are supposed to do be the commentary on now. That's what they are. They're a reflection yeah. of the now mm-hmm. more than anything. What does this confused, you know, unsatisfying game even say about its main topic? It literally what has it a robot turn say? on. It has a robot turn on a Roomba. Like she yeah. goes over to and turns on a Roomba, and then you're like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like, are, you are the Roomba. Where, exactly. What can we? What can we take away? And uh, by the way, I'm gonna teach this this year because I teach um, a dystopian games class every year, and um, I teach it twi- you know twice a year. So I'm gonna teach this class as the lead game, and I've never really done that before, where we all play the same game. I usually let students and teams pick the game that they're gonna play, and they choose you know different dystopias. Yeah. Portal has been a favorite over time. Um, the Bioshock series has been, you know, favorite. But I'm going to start out with this game, and I'm sure that's going to really upset um, some of the students in my class, my classes, because they're not going to want to talk about race right off the bat, but Mm-mm. we are. And uh, But we're going to also deal with some of its other big themes, you know, its other big issues that it – and I want to ask the students, you know, what what you play that game, and you tell me what it's saying. What can you take – as far as now, thinking about our current situation and our current relationship to technology, mm-hmm. what do you get from this game? You know, once we talk about race, because that's going to happen for a couple of weeks, and then we're going to say, okay, let's stay with its core project and see what can a different generation, you know, are, I don't even think they're millennials anymore. What's the, <laughs> what's the generation after millennials? I don't know. The current, I don't know what they are, who the students, I got to look this up before classes start, Um, (laughs) but whatever generation they are, you know, and their relationship to technology is different from my relationship to technology, because I'm like, Alexa's not allowed in the house, you know, but. (laughs) But you got a cell phone. I got to sit, but Siri is, that was what I was about to say, but Siri is, you know, whereas they're like, they've given up on any fight for privacy or whatever. Most of my students are like, yeah, it's a problem, but what, what, we can't do anything about it. So I want to know, you know, what does that, how does that generation engage the main part of this story? It's most transparent investments. 
because I sure as hell don't know, but I would like to play it. I will play it again, therefore, because I will be teaching it. So I will play it again, and I'll try to make different choices. I'll try to unlock some more of that flowchart and see some of the other options and see if I can read, really give it the benefit of the doubt at certain moments just to figure out, okay, what was I supposed to learn about that very important question? Maybe, you know, maybe there is something there. I don't know. And you know what, Trey? I mean, and, and like I said, I don't disagree with you, right? Because I think, so there are certain games that I'm not going to mention which ones that come out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even fucking with that game. Uh, but then there, there's games like this. Like I said, I, I played, the first time I played, my first like play session, I played four hours of it. And I was like, fuck that. I'm burning my whole PS4 because it's on my hard drive and I don't even want to delete it. I'm just going to burn the whole damn thing. But then I sat back and I thought about it and I wanted to see, I wanted to go back and see what the game had to offer that maybe I was missing and what the game had to offer in terms of being able to sit back and talk to other folks. Like being able to sit back and talk to you and Yusuf about this. Because remember when I was like, I was like, I need to talk to other POC about this game. I need you and Yusuf to come talk to me. And you were like, okay. And I was like, I'm about to text Yusuf right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then every day Sam was like, have you played Detroit yet? And I was like, no, I'm building some Lego right now. You know, I'm building I was just Lego mad. City. I was like, how you building Lego? And I was like, I'm definitely not playing that game right now. I'm building Lego. I'll, I'll play it at some point. I'll play it soon. I kept saying I'll play it soon. I'll play it tomorrow. But then I was like, nah. Every morning I woke up and was like, all, I don't want to those that. Androids were suffering while you played Legos. <laughs> I know. I was like, the Lego are so still and quiet, and they don't say things that are going to bother me. They don't say, I have a dream. <laughs> oh. oh, no. no. no let me not speak to you soon. I haven't seen the latest Lego movie. <laughs> I know they might disappoint. They, yeah. The Lego, let me for for you know, they disappoint in some ways, but. Um, in general, I'm able to hack my Lego experience when it comes to yeah. There's there's no way to hack Detroit into a good game. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. Even though I'm very intrigued by its the, the flow chart and just how it lays out, like tries to rationally, you know, map out decision making and that sprawling and there. That, that mechanic is intriguing to me because you would see like it would be like, it would say like ooh twenty eight percent of all the options on this big flow yes. chart were unlocked by your playthrough and I was like I'm striving and surviving here you just told me twenty eight percent of the map was explored so you know they're really trying to entice you to replay to to increase that replay value or to wonder you know did you, did you make a fatal mistake yes with Connor I did but um. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued by that flowchart mechanic and just by you know you know maybe a few other little. I mean uh, yeah, I definitely like those mechanics in things. games where because that is something unique unique to games. They can tell stories in a cyclical way, um, and that's really cool. Like, but it should be like stories that are I don't know more abstract and more in like like not. Um, I mean, it could work here, but it's just like they're on one hand they're trying to tell like this emotionally. Like you know, resonant story, and at the same time you're like, but what if you kill this person? <laughs> you know, like then it completely right. um, diffuses any like um, any impact that the previous branch could have had because it's all just a game, um, and that's fine. Like I think that 
works in a lot of games, and I think it's like a genre I'm always down to try. Like, mm -hmm. did you all play ever play um, Save the Date? Yes. It's one of my favorite games that does. Yes, this. it's so <laughs> good. Okay, it's like this. It's a yeah. It's like a little free game. Yeah, it's like a free web game, or you download it, I think. But it's like. It's real good. Yeah, it's just like. I wrote about it oh. once, I think. Very possibly. I'll let you read that. Yeah, it was like. I don't think it was I, anything particularly I, good. I just, I just <laughs> love, no, I'm sure it's good. But I love what it does. Like in it. Yeah. I mean, I won't. I do think. You guys should play it because, like, I don't want to spoil it too much, but like, it does. It. It, very, very like elegantly and simply like calls into question like, um, player agency and like yeah. the things that drive us to kind of be completionists about games and to mm -hmm. to explore every branch of a dialogue and like and find the the exact right like way to beat a game you know like the the yeah. ideal playthrough, so like, it's cool. It's really, yeah. I co-sign all of that. I'm going to look it up. Save the date. Save you the, those are two recommendations. That and Unkindness of Ghosts. <laughs> I'm totally going to read that, though. Yeah, I think it's awesome. totally up your alley. You, said, you sure. and I are best friends now. <laughs> yeah. <we're> Just <laughs> so you know. I know. I know. He's, getting, he's marketing, getting other readers and everything. It's mm -hmm. awesome. But, um, I, so the very final thing I thought about the game was after the credits when your Android guide to the game that she's back in the in the menu system and and I was watching the credits and I was like deflated it was like hot and I'm just like <laughs> oh my gosh it's so humid and I'm dealing with this and then she's back on the screen asking for her freedom from you right so but one of the things she said is something like I've been watching you play and while I watched you play I realized I'm alive too or no I've got to go explore myself so you know will you free me from this will you free me from this frame and this duty the, I've been serving you and I'm like you've been serving me I didn't even want you here <laughs> and you. you have to free her <laughs> and I was like that made me you know realize or just really take a little seriously this um you know the collection of data feature so you know when you have the flow charts and you are looking at the mm -hmm. what telltale does this to the world data of, of who the, the responsiveness of the, the larger gaming community and then and then in this game you could look at your friends, friends decisions and i was all like who are my friends with and what did we choose you know who, who, who i was like i need new friends, friends. This? <laughs> i was happy because my friends were all choosing you know a lot of the same choices that i was choosing and that really differed from what the world was choosing the world audience like there was one point where it was like 80 percent my friends did this and then like 12 percent of the world did this and i was like wow mm -hmm. so that was intriguing but then um the android user interface i think her name is chloe i just i don't know what her name was but she says i've been watching you and i'm like oh man because you're in a heightened paranoid state <laughs> after dealing with any story about artificial intelligence like you putting your you putting your phone sleep? under the couch pillow i know i'm like oh damn i knew i shouldn't sleep with that thing in the bedroom but but she, so she but she but this culture of surveillance is you know very much at the surface of this project as well and so that sort of meta place or position of this character you mm -hmm. know being there saying i would by the way i was watching you play just reminds you about this collection of data you mm -hmm. know and so you know you have companies um developers making these sort of 
choice-based or branching narrative type of games that really ride on that, that, that mechanic or that functionality of being able to compare your choices to, you know, um, another population's choices, whatever. But that's a lot of information. That's interesting data to wade through as well. And I just don't know if people have been having conversations about this of what – uh, is potentially there, you know, in the decision-making trees of a large swath of people playing these games mm -hmm. and saying, yeah, I, I recognize Android humanity or AI intelligence as human enough or human-like, and then the people versus the people who say no. And I imagine I got to go back and look at the screenshots of, of who said, who, who was basically, you know, shutting down, trying to shut down the Android revolution and mm -hmm. who wasn't. But as a developer, if you are Skynet, you already know what people think, right? <laughs> you, you know where public opinion is, um, mm -hmm. just well, at least this segment of public opinion, because you're actively collecting and representing this data. And then you, you're, you're so self-consciously, you know, not shy, not, not even trying to hide it, because <laughs> you have old girl telling her, us, oh, yeah, I've, I've been watching you, and, you know, I've come to some conclusions about my own humanity, my own position in this world. And I'm like, oh, damn, turn off the TV, turn off everything, you know. <laughs> but that aspect of it, the sort of data collection and data mining feature well, um, it's even as, as it relates yeah, to games. It's even further complicated um, by the fact that you can set her free, but then there's like a DLC they added where you can get a new one. Like you can get, like, he, she can come back. You can get a new slave. Basically, you can enslave somebody else. Yeah. So, um, so she's like a, a service to the player, essentially. Like you know, a way the developer yeah. is ta is interfacing with the player, where it's like, you know, we see, like I can see where you're doing, but also like I'm coddling you in some way through this, yeah. uh, through this figure. Like it's, it's kind of a paternal, like, um, yeah, coddling of the player base, where it's like. She's mm -hmm. sort of me meant to like, you know, convince you or to like to make a statement about about an like you know an like what the game is saying about androids being alive, but she's also not mm -hmm. like, and she's also um, this element of th yeah this like this symbol of surveillance um, and the symbol of like the developers, um, you know, their signature. Um, yeah their their um involvement yeah. their very like upfront involvement in this process and you know i'm always like what's happening with the data what's what's happening with these you know you're all you have all this information about pretty well pretty big topics whether or not the game narrative handles them well or not these are pretty central questions and topics right so you at least have some idea where this population is leaning and there was even a quiz oh my god how did i black that out there was even i think maybe i had paused the game or i went out of the menu system because i needed a break or something and i was trying to leave the game world and there she was with her quiz do you guys remember this and she uh -huh. was like did you get that she was like oh but, you know by the way can i just ask you some questions and then i'm in a survey i'm in the marketing survey with her and she's like you know basically all the big topics it was like do you, are you, you know, do you think AI are are intelligent or whatever? And do you think that you could have a relationship with a you know an android? And set aside all the sexual weird fantasies that are are cultivated around this character anyway, because I think she that's the template for the character that the that the creator that the developer in the game he has those women mm -hmm. um, the women androids in his house 
and he tries to make Connor shoot one of them. I think that's the same. It's the same one, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Of of the woman that you interact with, right? So, so anyway, she makes you do a quiz. So you have all this. You've given all this data, and it tells you. Um, it's just like the flow chart, you know, what percentage of players actually and what they answered to those questions. And I don't remember all the questions, but I know one was basically like, you know, are, are, is, is, is AI human enough? And do you think that, that, oh no, do, and are you dependent on technology? It was stuff like that. It was like, these are user surveys. It was like, uh, do you think you use technology too much? Are we too reliant on it? Can technology yeah. hurt, harm us in the future? And you're and asking stuff like it that. through a survey, which is literally like us turning our like natural free thought into a rigid, like semiotic structure that yep. is designed yep. to like m be easier yep. to understand be to be more easily understood by computers yep digested by computers yeah. and by the humans who kind of collect this which data, is not like commented on at all <laughs> no no so that was trippy too and i'm sort of like these different layers yeah. of surveillance and how they relate to the game the the, the game's central question about humanity mm -hmm. and i'm like man sam i got you to blame for this <laughs> so okay you know this Okay, so in terms of, I'm going to, like I said, I started doing a second playthrough today because I wanted to go back and play through the, the beginning. Um, I'm probably going to try to stay as close to my first playthrough as I can because I want to go back and see stuff that, like, I missed the first time around. Um, because there is all kinds of iconography and symbology mm -hmm. that I missed the first time, like, you know, when uh, Marcus is, is, you know, crawling up out of this uh, primordial ooze, so to speak, and, and gets reborn, right? Because he, like, he gets reborn. I'm like, he's cutting his umbilical cord when he pops that thing out of the side of his head when he comes up out of the... But there is, like, this huge weeping angel statue that looks down over all of these dismembered um, and, like slithering android bodies mm -hmm. and i'm like so what marcus just became the next next harriet tubman on top of everything else right so i, I think i really want to go back go i'm gonna try to stick as closely to my first playthrough as i can yeah. um because i want to see what i missed the first time because i i get the feeling that there's a lot of that stuff that i saw without seeing yeah. and i'm wondering how much that affects Affected the way that I received this game as a text, if that makes sense. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> I am never installing <laughs> this game ever again. <laughs> I know you sounds like I'm good. I'm done. Um, no, I I tend to think the same thing, and you know, like I said, I I think that this is just a preliminary engagement with the game, and if I um, well, when I teach it, I'll play it again, mm -hmm. and I'll have you know many conversations with the students, and I'll probably play certain chapters. I do like that feature that you can go back and play a, a given chapter, so you can think about it. Um, and and we'll see, you know. And you, and you can play it, chapters it, differently too, like you can play or you can play chapters without them affecting the subsequent chapters. There's like an oh, option, really? option to turn that off. Okay, see, now you okay. can go back and see your tombstones. Maybe I'll do yeah. that. Maybe I'll just yeah. go back and play yeah. specific chapters. Maybe I yeah. won't do. A, a whole playthrough. Maybe I won't do a whole new playthrough. 
And it's a relatively short game. Like, it really can't, in terms of actual hours, like real-time hours. Yeah. If you're not, well, you know, so there's certain things. If you're not being a completionist about it in the scenes, like looking for every single clue, once you have your answer, if you just go forward. I'm I'm done, yeah. it's, It's fast. And I was getting tripped up in terms of time by reading the magazine cover, by reading the magazines that were everywhere. And in some cases, you're on a level, and the only thing that lights up that you can engage with is the magazine, is the news, right, or the news tablet. And so I would go over, and I would start to read the story, and then I would just get irritated, like, I don't want to read this right now. I want to go, go, go through the story. But I would love to. Because most of them were about sex bots. Some of them were about sex talks. A lot of it was about um, climate change and, like, you know, global contests, the ne- next war about to start. So They do and, sort of round was, out the world, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was about a bunch yeah. of different topics. And so just in thinking about it as a dystopia that is broader than just the sort of U.S., you know, sort of political, um, social co- climate, there were sort of ge- they were gesturing at the other dystopian elements were gesturing beyond that context. They also, mm-hmm. they so also like kind of set up this thing where it's talking about how like this like humanity um, being uh, replaced right by by androids and like kind mm-hmm. of uh, they're the, the, the they have the stuff about the athletes. Which yeah, also racially yep. Uh-huh. yep, yep. Are they an unfair advantage? Ooh. You know, the, the brawn. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you got Luther, the biggest mo- character like, module in the game. Why? How, um, why he got to be black? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the construction yeah. robot. Yeah, no, there's there's stuff there for sure. So I w- so so I do I so I I will say that you know that that as usually games that are really disappointing. Are disappointing can, can be disappointing in interesting ways or ways that require some more you know time and some more for me patience with it to figure <laughs> out just how it misses on certain things and and really kind of slowly think through it mm-hmm. um, yeah so I'll, I'll give it that I mean I definitely I'm, I guess I'm gonna play it again because I'm teaching it but <laughs> if I wasn't I don't know that I would play it again it would just kind of be an aside and something else I was writing I, I definitely recommend checking out Tacoma uh, though like yeah, yeah. yeah there's some interesting stuff going on there and that's another that's another one you, Tacoma was good. I think you can play through it in like two hours yeah it's short it's a woman of color protagonist um, I think she might have been a, ambiguously, ambiguously brown maybe it's one of those that I bought and never got around to playing, so maybe I'll put it up at the top of my list. Is it on the Switch? That's the big <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Y'all and your Switches. If only. Alright, so here's what I wanted to say that will improve everybody's mood, because I think we're all like, uh... Um, if you want a better Android experience that actually like celebrates black folks, just go see Janelle Monet, who's on tour right now. You know what? Right. I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring <laughs> yes. up um, dirty computers. Yes. I really yes. love dirty computers as a metaphor. So the dirty computer and the deviant android. Mm-hmm. Like, the dirty computer works with lots of things in yeah. culture, I think. But, um, but yeah, Janelle Monet, dirty computers, like that's the kind of tech dystopia, racial, critical yep. racial dystopia, whatever, mm-hmm. that you really want to sink your teeth in, and that's a space you want to be in. Yeah. Let Janelle Monet make the- video games. 
I know. Can I mean, we she's already doing like everything, man. So you can, you can do some more. Uh, we, we're <laughs> we, we want the Janelle Monet of, of video games. Like we want yes. that kind of project, critical project, to around race and around gender and everything to be in a game. And yeah. Maybe it exists. I mean, you guys are telling me to play Tacoma, so. I mean, I don't yeah, know if it, it goes all the way there, but it's, I mean, it's taking much, yeah. All right, but some studio should, like, drop her a message and be like, hey, <laughs> come over here and, and inform us on how to do this right. Yeah. Yeah. buy. 10 out of 10, would buy. Mm -hmm. And she's interested in emotions, right? The emotion yep. picture. Yeah, it's awesome. That, mm -hmm. so. that music video is very good. Everyone should yes. watch it. Yes. Yeah. Great. Well, also, I just saw her Saturday, and it was Ooh, nice. great. Really? So, yeah. So, I'm sitting here the whole time listening to all this stuff about Detroit, and I'm like, but why? I know. It's, <laughs> it's really sad. This man should not be allowed to make it any more video games. I know. I, you're, yeah, you're, I agree. I liked that you focused on labor so much in, that, in your piece, mm -hmm. and Detroit as a city, and what it means to sort of stage this in Detroit, Yes. and also how you looked at the rest of the games. Like, it's not an isolated, the, the labor practices nope. in that workspace, mm -hmm. and the rest of the games, you know, that have come from this. So, mm -hmm. that was really good. That was really Thanks. important. And I'm going to make sure I put a link to Yusuf's piece in the uh, show notes. Mm -hmm. Much and a link to Blackness is Burning. Too. You can just refer to him as my new best friend now. Since oh, we like see, all the same things. You see how quickly things. you get thrown over, Trey, right? You see how quickly you get thrown over. Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm fickle. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I mean, I definitely want to read Trey's piece, though, because that sounds like up my alley for sure. Um, yeah, everything. Well, Blackness is Burning yeah. is where I talk about humanity and recognition and those those like other narratives. But gaming representation is where I talk about dystopian blackness. So that was. You should just read all of Trey's yeah, stuff, and then you, know, you don't I, have to choose. Necessarily, just just the <laughs> dystopian stuff. But I think I'm going to keep writing about dystopias because what percentage of games aren't dystopias yeah. these days? You're right. So um, it's you get something to keep coming back to. And as I've humbly learned, you know, you do you do change how you see things. So yeah. maybe I'll change the, the critical racial dystopia criteria that I laid out. You know, maybe that'll be a thing of the past. Once I really get into D D Detroit, I'll be like, no, you know what? There's a whole new frame to use. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not going. I'm not. I I want to be able to talk about Detroit in the classroom, but I'm not going. I'm not going to teach Detroit. Because See, you should warn me away from it, Sam. I was I'm like, not gonna I'm teach it. This. But I know my, my students gonna right now. <laughs> I know my students gonna talk about it. I know my students gonna talk about it, so I'll be able to talk about talk about it with them, but I'm not gonna play it with them. Because I might have to I might I might have to get violent. I don't and, think uh, you could avoid saying <laughs> motherfucker for a whole semester. <laughs> like <laughs> I know you <laughs> I'm gonna have faith that my students can handle that most of the students can handle it and it, usually in the beginning of the semester by now you really can st set the stage for the kind of cla gaming class this is gonna be so that people who are just not there for that project and cannot recognize right to use that term you know won't take the class and yep. they will realize this is not for them but a few people still make it through 
and you know those that those are the moments that make history <laughs> and so um we'll see we'll see but i'm gonna have faith that if you talk to me again in like november but, um i'm gonna i'm gonna have faith that we can at least have productive conversations and just discourse about the game um and I'm gonna make them read, you know, my own stuff, so I don't have to repeat myself. Just read this, and then they'll be like, "But we disagree with you." And I'm gonna be like, "Write it. You disagree. Prove, make an argument that you can sustain, and then we'll talk." So that can be an exercise that will hopefully go somewhere. But I think that students, like I said, I think students will warm up not talking about race. They don't. They won't necessarily want to talk about where this fails as a racial allegory, but they probably will like to talk about the questions about humanity. So that's yeah. kind of the carrot and the stick part of the conversation. Yeah, you can sneak, yes, you can sneak their racial allegory into the other parts. They'll be yeah. talking about it, but they don't even know they're talking about it. Yeah, no, we'll bleed heavy, hardcore with the, the racial allegories. But I did decide that I'm going to lecture more this year. So if things are going really south, then I'll just lecture on it. And then they can write in my evaluations, I only talked about race. <laughs> they're going to do that anyway. If you mention it once, they're going to say you only talked about race. <laughs> yeah, that is okay. I will, I will Oh, is that is that one of those places where I have like white privilege? Because that doesn't happen to me. Oh, they don't say that. No, it's never come up, but I do it all the time. Yeah, no. You talk about it once, and they say, oh, she was talking about race. White privilege. It's so good to have. (laughs) But I think that they will come around when it comes to the other issues. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to also assign Yusef's piece and see if I can get to talk about class and labor. Mm -hmm. And we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll report back. I'll let you guys know. Yeah, looking forward to it. Be hearing back. Yeah. All right. Y'all, thanks for coming to talk to me about this. I needed to pr- I needed to process this with y'all. <laughs> you, <laughs> I was you, like, mm. Yeah, did you get some, you know, resolution or some revelations? Some did you get through No, this? I just want to burn it. I want to burn everything <laughs> twice now. <laughs> you know what? That is the maybe that's the only solution. I want to go back and set everything on fire again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. nuke it from orbit. Oh, mhm. Maybe this conversation endeared you to the game, Sam. No, no. You will have that love, sound hate, like it. you know, the love-hate relationship with it. No. <laughs> but good try. Good try. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to uh, talking to us about this game. You guys are amazing. Um, and I guess with that, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 175. Um, so until episode 176, if I can stop banging Ooh. my eyeglass case around, um, <laughs> we would like to say, uh, <laughs> stay cool, um, stay alive and free your androids. <laughs> right. No, I can't sign off on that. Android okay, rights right. human rights. <laughs> there you go. Oh, God. And don't make shitty video games. Yeah. yeah. How's that? Can you sign off on that? Sure. Game yes. on, Trey. Game on. <laughs> watch, watch Janelle Monet. That's my part. There yeah. you go.